Cheers. Cheers. I'm Ambi. I'm Kana. Welcome to Diplomacy Games, episode 50... No. 60. 60 something. 60. 64? 64. 64, I think. Yes, welcome to episode 64 then. That'll do. Yep. And we are braving travel in this new coronavirus world to um, attend a diplomacy tournament. Yep, down here in Melbourne, PoppyCon. Yes. Um, and we're having, currently having drinks at Sainton Road. Which I think is actually very apt, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. when you're playing your diplomacy, you can either act as a bit of a saint to some people and a total rogue to others. I'm totally looking forward to the tournament. As we were talking about in the plane, I am as well. I've got certain countries I really want to try something with. Yeah. And others I've got no fucking idea. So. Do you want to share any of that with the audience? Or do you want to keep it mum because you don't want me knowing? No, I don't want you knowing because uh, you may very well be the um, guinea pig. You might unluckily score a particular country that I happen to want to target. Oh. So it's got nothing to do with you, Kana. It's all to do with the, the grand plan, the strategy. It's like the... In case we end up on the same board together. It's like the Germans in World War One having the von Schlieffen plan. You know, we've got to invade Belgium by this time. Okay. So by 1902, you expect your units to be in certain locations. If I can kind of win over other players in my plans, yes. My coming uh, plans. But there's the rub, isn't it? How do you convince other players? Indeed. So what's your drink, by the way? I am drinking a dark ale that's produced by white rabbit. Okay, how is it? Excellent. Yeah? Excellent. It's um, just what the doctor ordered, really. It's um, uh, it's kind of like a... How would you say it? I, I, I kind of feel like, a, like you've had a really successful opening as Germany. Yep. And you've got a solid ally in... France. Oh. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Wow, okay. Maybe that's a bit of a precursor a solid, of where we're going to. A solid, stout, filling drink. What's your, what are you drinking, Andy? Well, I'm having beer because I feel like it's a bit of a beer weekend, maybe, I don't know. A bit of a mix and match. I've got a Tuberac American Gunslinger's Pale Ale. Oh, yeah? Okay. Tuberac is a, um, it's a small little bush town in Victoria. Well, I had a little thing there saying it's a certified independent brewery. Yeah, it's like it's a... Uh, I never even heard of Tuberac. Yeah, no, my, my father had his 50th birthday celebrations in Tuberac. Wow. It's a past sale. I don't even know where that is. On the way to Yay. don't know where that is either. Yeah, well, it's up past Seymour Way. Up past Seymour Way? I don't yeah. even know where that is either. <laughs> there you go. Well, this is, this is kind of part of your old stomping grounds, isn't it? Because you had a number of years down here. I grew up in Victoria. Well, that's, that's what I mean, a number of years. A number of years. No, I'll get confused. You were in Tassie for a while, but that was... You didn't. You were born here, were you? Yeah, Victoria. I was born in Victoria, yeah. Right. You should take me on a little bit of a tour of Caner's Melbourne. Caner's Melbourne. A lot of it's changed, probably, from what I remember. Well, the one thing I like about Melbourne is the amount of old buildings. Lovely, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, in Sydney, they all knock them down. Brisbane, they all knock them down. Down here, they generally haven't too many. It's still got a lot of too things. much hassle. 
Yeah. <laughs> You've got these buildings, might as well re refit them. You know, try to keep them. Uh, so a lot of these buildings down here got went up during the gold rush, yeah. right? Yeah, 1850s? Yeah, and a lot of the like the large outlying cities of Melbourne, similar fashion. So you have Ballarat, your Bendigo's, you know, it, an awful amount of money came in. Got all these really old like buildings came in to capture the wealth, and the bustle of it, and then the money went away when the gold rush went away. And yeah, there was literally you know, it was a bit of a, a recession going back. To, multi multi years and so when there's no money to even knock down buildings you have to just just let them sit there and yeah. let them sit there until money comes back in now melbourne's a, you know, a much more cosmopolitan city it's and a hip happening place yeah, and they've, they've really benefited from you know like keeping that old yep. style building there. so um, and for our american listeners um a lot of the uh, the gold panners and everything that came out were actually Americans that came up, or even who came up with the California gold rush. Because yeah, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. They kind of ran out of all the gold there. They went, shit, where are we going to go? Oh, there's some gold in Australia. Let's have to yeah, hop on a boat. And, you know, the, there was a lot of um, Californian activists around Federation. So there was a couple of key players in the Eureka stockade who were from California. Wow. And there was quite a few speakers who came over to Australia around Federation to try and sell Australia on the idea of American republicanism. Yep. Um, and so, as a result, Australia is kind of our government is kind of a mix between the Westminster system, which is the English version. It's a bastardised version of both, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and, and it's a mix of the American republicanism, and that's the direct result. Oh, because we've got a Senate. Because we've got a Senate. But the, and the Senate is technically meant to represent the state's interests, I suppose, like the way the American Senate's meant to Correct. Yeah. represent the state's interests, but both have become just politicised based on party factions. And, yeah, but I mean, uh, beginning with, you know, you've got your lower house and your upper house. I suppose we've got states here compared to the English, which just have, you know, it's a unitary government. You know, you've got your central government and then you've got local councils, so, you know. No, so, uh, Except for devolved administration, you know, yeah. um, and then you know, but we do we do have um, you know, but by what's gone before yep. in the like in the Westminster system, you know, we, we do have that. Um, forget the even the word of it. Um, Heritage? No, no, no. no. The, the Americans will know straight away when I sort of start talking about like a, a court case that's been made and decision made and then other court cases. Precedent? Precedent, yeah. Precedent. 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 No, not precedent, precedent. Precedent. <laughs> but we shied away from Actually, actually... I've got to watch out because everyone down here will talk like you. <laughs> You're the odd one out because down here. Because we keep doing our little argy-bargy thing around pronunciations, but the way you speak is the way that all the Victorians speak. I don't think I speak that no, you're not too bad. Hey, um, earlier on, before we started recording, I think you went to the loo, and I said, oh, I've just got to go wash my hands with the whole coronavirus thing with being on the plane and being on the bus full of people wearing masks. And I didn't get to the loo because they had, like, one of the little hand sanitizers out the front. But you can always tell that you're in a good bar 
when it has a little sign on it saying, you know, not to be drunk or whatever. <laughs> do not drink this. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is alcohol for your hands. It's, do not drink. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Uh, no, we're using that one as a prop. Yeah. Wow, look at that. So we've got some lunch now, folks. Uh, yes, please. There we are, but we are in Australia because we're getting off a tomato sauce, not ketchup. Anyway, I was quite interested to see how many people were actually wearing masks already in the airports. Oh, yeah. But anyway, we're not really here to talk about our current state of health emergency. No, we're not. We're here to talk about, you know, our upcoming... Tournament. Diplomacy tournament. Mm. So, I'm really keen to try and get England free builds. Okay. But I, I, just, I just have this dream of it happening. Never seen it happen. Well, you've talked about this before, so it'd be interesting to see if you can you can pull it off in one way or another. I don't think I will. I think the first English player I asked would look at me and go, why are you being so helpful to my expansion? Yeah, they'll think automatically, yeah, sure, okay, sounds yeah. good, and then they'll think that yeah, right you'll just move yeah. English Channel straight into London. Correct, yeah. These are massive burgers. So it'll be a matter of... Um, thank you. Thanks, mate. It'll be a matter of convincing, um, I think, really everyone around you of your goodwill when trying to get that to happen, if you're France or German. Yeah, I think it's German and French cooperation, really, to pull that off for England to get that. And then you mentioned on the plane, I mean, if you could pull that off, it'd be an amazing you know, thing to achieve, but how could you then also pull off a opening with a four supply centre? Russia. Russia. Yeah. See, I think that's just equally impossible. Like, I mean, yeah, technically it's feasible, right? You'd have to have really... Um, Yeah, either you're working with novices who don't know the game and you're lucky or you, I don't know, you're just some sort of genius at manipulating people to do things that are in their worst interests and then you just piss everyone else off around you. Like, I don't see any other way to get four builds without annoying every single one of your neighbours to then... What? Eight units at the start of 1902. Well, like... In a best-case scenario, three of those would be neutrals and one of them has to be an actual country. You could theoretically get Sweden and Norway and Romania, but then after that... Oh, actually, maybe you can move straight away Sev to Rum, Rum to Bulgaria and convince, convince the Turk. That's a great idea. And then you move... And then you move you know, Warsaw to Ukraine, oh, Warsaw to Galicia, Galicia into Rum. Well, making Austria cover himself, and yeah, okay, yeah, okay, feasibly possible, potentially possible, but... And then you can convince Turkey, if, if you convince Turkey that, you can convince Turkey that in spring, to allow your fleet in Bulgaria to then go into Con and go blue water out into the Aegean. Of course, he's going to believe you. Yeah, because that's actually him. an interesting. That would be fun to to do. <laughs> you know, a Russian rogue fleet going around the Mediterranean. 
That could work, actually. I think there's merit in this argument. Yeah, sell, sell Turkey on the idea of having an extra fleet down there to assist against Italia. In exchange for giving you Romania and Bulgaria. <laughs> but we're talking about a full supply centre opening. We're not necessarily saying you have to keep those. You may say, look, yeah, yeah. And after that, we'll do something where you kind of move in to Bulgaria and I'll go around and take take Tunis, take Tunis with a with a Russian fleet. <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs> it's kind of like the equivalent of you know trying to get England to you know the the, the red fleet sail, the, you know the red the red army sails into Tunis in mm. autumn 1902. Could you do it? No, he's a Christian. It'd have to be 1903. Um, no, it's possible because you'd actually, okay, to, to achieve what we're talking about, you'd move. No, you couldn't do it. The best you could do is get to, to the. I'm just thinking whether you can somehow or other rotate the fleet to get the, the, uh, the Turkish fleet in Ankara. To go in spring into Con, autumn into Aegean, get him to start pumping out towards the Ionian in spring 1902, and then going into Tyrrhenian Sea in fall 1902, so that then he could support the Russian fleet coming out to take Tunis. Yeah, but it'd have to be in 1903. You couldn't get it before 1903 as Russia. Probably not. No, I mean, you couldn't physically get the fleet that far. So let's see, the shortest possible route for the fleet would be Black Sea, Constantinople, Aegean Sea, Ionian Sea. Yeah. So the earliest you could get it would be spring 1903. Sorry for the pause, we were both eating burgers at the same time. <laughs> but that would be pretty cool too. Like, there's a couple of other ones. Like, I, I, I'm interested in the idea of... So, I don't want a metagame, but like, if you were Turkey and I was Russia, would you help me with that? Get you into Tunis. You'd have to give me reassurances that you're going to make sure that you're going to get back... Um, Bulgaria? You're going to help me through into the, the Balkans. Mm. The good thing about that is it removes that pesky fleet problem that Turkey and Russia experience. You know? Yeah, it does. It, um, it reminds... That whole thing, if you like getting a, a Russian fleet into Tunis, I can't remember which game it was. Maybe, I can't remember which one it was. It was definitely a Brisbane game we played. Where, and I can't remember the player, but like the unit was nowhere near it should actually be. It didn't make any sense. Or maybe it was one of the ones we first played in Melbourne. I can't remember. I'm sure anyone listening to the podcast who's played a lot of this stuff, particularly in the face-to-face space, would know you can achieve these weird, wacky combinations because people are far more interested in maybe doing something different just to spice it up rather than a formulaic online classic game. What's that game we played in Brisbane where Germany went flat out to attack Italy? <laughs> you know, I mean, what was going on there? I, 
I, I, okay, that, that's bizarre behaviour. Um, but again, I mean, like, if, you, if, you're, just, if you're just out for fun, yep. I mean, why not, hey? These aren't bad burgers. Yeah, good burgers. Good burgers, good drink. Yeah. Yeah, I'll love this. Yeah. Cheers. Definitely have another beer here. I, I, I can see us maybe not kind of, you know, getting all the shopping done and you know, settling in for a drink. Settling in for a bit of a bit of a session. Mm. You know, rolling up to um, Mel's place. Half's lost already. Half's lost already. She goes, oh, these fucking Queenslanders are always getting drunk. <laughs> So I'm looking forward to the tournament, and I, I, I actually I don't know for the the um, this particular podcast. I'm assuming that this episode, at some stage, we'll get towards the end of this, and then we'll say actually maybe we'll just do it now. Fuck it, let's just do it now. Okay. Right. So we 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 plan hopefully if everything goes well and the stars align uh-huh. later tonight we should be having a interview slash conversation with Mel Paul. I don't know what we're going to be talking about because normally when we do an intro to an interview, we've already done the interview and we know what it's about. So we'll probably end up putting in the interview sometime very, very soon and then we'll come back and then we'll talk yeah. more shit. Well, there's an opportunity here to actually do a couple of recordings or talks or chats. Right, so maybe we're just going to have a random insertion of some interview chat discussion. And then we can do an outro or whatever we're going to talk about, guys. So, so here we go. Here's here's something. It might be an interview with Mel Call. It might be something else. Cheers. 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 So uh, I'm Andy. Kana here. And we're joined by Mel Paul um, as the night before Poppycon. And we started to kind of, you know, as you do, we have lots of conversations around non-diplomacy matters, but inevitably things get to diplomacy. And we were having a bit of a chat around gameplay. And I think, Kana, you asked Mel um, what her thoughts were for how no. to play the, the no, tournament. No, no, what, what, what country was her favourite? Yeah. And, and Mel, you mentioned Russia. Oh, so actually, now you said check the uh, the Dan scoring system for your records, which is what what I'm doing right now in a bit of stunned. So, so Dan's disbelief. is like the Diplomacy um, Association of Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. And the uh, the website there has all of Mel's games and your, that I've played in Australia. That you've played in Australia and your average. Supply center count as playing as Russia is almost 11. And you have never been eliminated as Russia. Really? Correct. I mean, I'm sure I've been eliminated as Russia, but maybe not in Australia. Wow. And I started asking, well, okay, so look, you know, I, I started doing what I've previously talked about on, on our show, which is my monopoly strategy, which is, you know, give me the, the intel, but I promise not to use it against you. Like, seriously, I promise, solemn promise, won't use it against you, but I'll use it against other players. So, if you're up to it, what's your strategy for how to play a, a good Russia? Well, I, I mean, I think it comes down to the relationships that you make at the beginning of the game. 
So my strategy as Russia is to talk to all of my neighbours first. I mean, that's always a good thing to do when you're playing to diplomacy. Um, But I have an eye on whether or not I'm going to launch a northern campaign or a southern campaign. Um, And a lot of that depends on what Austria and Turkey want to do in in Galicia or the Black Sea. I never push the issue. If they want to bounce in the Black Sea, I'll agree to the bounce. If they want to stay out of the Black Sea, I'll agree to stay out of the Black Sea. Um, And the same goes for Galicia. So that's a way to set up trust with my southern neighbours. If both of them want to bounce, then the army in Moscow will go south. If one of them doesn't want to bounce, then that army in Moscow can go north. And I want to have... That's the exact opposite of what I expect you to say. (laughs) Really? Well, if, 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 if they don't want to... Sorry, refresh it. If they want to bounce, you'd move south. So essentially... Oh, we're happy to pause at any stage, don't worry. Yeah. For the roast pork or the, the potatoes. Um, at any stage, like if, if you've got either of them saying, yeah, 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 and you actually agree to the bounce and then you move south, that seems a little bit confrontational, no? No, but you want to be able to get Romania, right? And so oh, if you're yeah, bouncing in both, well, Warsaw... Yeah. Then you've got it has to, pick to stay up where Romania it is, somewhat. and St. Peter's and Sebastopol stays where it is, and okay. so you need the army in Ukraine. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and then you can support yourself into Romania. But if you um, uh, but if you agree not to bounce, for instance, then one of those units can go and and get Romania. So yes. you, like you also could move to Ukraine, yep. which leaves Moscow free, or um, Sebastopol could move straight into Romania. Which I don't think is that great a move because it kind of makes you, you know, anti-Turkey. And then you've got... But you've got the trust with Turkey, so it's a little bit weird. But you can make it work. And so and so then that army in the north, the question is, is it going to be anti-English or anti-German? Yeah. Right? So um, a lot will depend on whether or not I get Sweden. And so if... Germany wants to bounce me out of Sweden. I will throw everything at Germany. Like I don't care what's going on in the south. It's just like everything against at Germany. Germany. <laughs> just everything. Like, and you know, and people like that. People like a Russia that goes for Germany. Absolutely. <laughs> and so they usually will leave you alone. And then Germany gets like really apologetic, and then you get Sweden, and you can make up maybe. I don't know. It depends. You've got to play the relationships as they go on the board. I've just kind of come to a, a realisation as to a flaw in my strategy playing Russia. And I kind of, when I pull Russia, I just generally go just all squid and kind of go in every different direction without any solid You, you only angle. want one enemy and you want everybody else to either work with you or leave you alone. Well, especially with as Russia. As uh, Russia. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so you've got to make... You've got to be... I mean, I don't know if it's because I'm female that maybe I'm less threatening and so they're, you know, happy with the negotiations and less likely to just stab me in the back. I don't know. Okay. But but I definitely go into the negotiations wanting to make everybody happy and usually will uh, attack the first person that breaks the trust. Cool. And try and get everybody else on board with that as well. And then that, that sets you up, you know, like you try you try not to be greedy, you make a good alliance, you make sure, you know, like you can, the worst thing you can do, I think, is get to 10 really quickly. Yes. Yeah. 
You want somebody yeah. else to get to 10. Yeah, we were talking about yeah. this before. You, you don't want to open too strong and grow too strong because automatically you become the shit, let's just stop this person. I've seen I've seen Russia go from 10 to 2 in like 2 years. You know, like they, like at well, 10 is Russia's really a really vulnerable time. We, we, we've played a similar game in Brisbane, I think. Not, not as Russia, but seeing Germany, who was doing particularly well, going from like 6 or 7 supply centres down to like 2 or 3 within a single turn. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Where everyone just went, no, 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 no yeah. we've got to take this guy out. We can't let this guy get too strong. Um, <laughs> this whole so, crab's in a, in a bucket routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the, a crab tries to get out of the bucket and all the other crabs reach up and pull them back in. That advice about having, you know, getting your neighbours on board and having a specific target and having other neighbours bicker amongst themselves, that, that strikes me as a good... Um, tactic for any kind of central power on the board regardless of or any of the powers really actually thinking about it yeah and uh, I, regardless of that because what makes that particularly special for russia though why is that the, such an I, important i don't know why i can make it work for russia and not with everything else but um i think part of it is the two bounces that are kind of like natural starts right like that's a real opportunity to build some trust Straight off the bat. Straight off the bat, like yeah. in spring 1901. Like, there's not that many countries where you do those organised bounces on so two fronts, do right? You, do you normally um, facilitate like and offer the bounces, or you wait for the other players to come to you on that one? Uh, no, I'll offer. I'll say, I, I want, I'll say, you know, like, whatever, whatever you want to do, you know, if it's a new player that's not aware of it, I'll yeah. explain that this is a pretty common way for both of us to stay out of, like, sensitive areas... Um, if you want to bounce, then I will bounce you. If you would rather do something different, then I won't. And I'll always honour that. Even if people come to me and say that they're going to there, I like I'd rather let them in to like and them to sneak the black sneak into the Black Sea and sneak into Galicia than than lie. So your opening then essentially pretty much guarantees Romania. And depending on Almost. how things... I mean, if Austria and Turkey yeah. work together, then... Yeah. And then, well, yeah, but yeah. that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> <laughs> They're going there. <laughs> and um, depending on how things go with Germany, you, you may pick up Sweden, and if you don't pick up Sweden, you go full force on Germany. Yeah. and But my ideal alliance is a German-Russian alliance. Oh. German-Russia. Isn't, Especially that, isn't that the alliance you and I had? Maybe. Did we do well? I think we did. But I just came <laughs> first and second on the board. <laughs> okay. Um, but why? Why Germany? Why not Austria? Because they never. People never see it, right? Like a Russian-Austrian yeah. alliance yeah. or a Russian-Turkey, right? Like everybody's like, let's shut this down. Austria-Russia is also like Turkey, like, wait, help yeah. me, help me, right? Like, but nobody even notices a Russia-German, I and mean, you don't have to actually coordinate much at the beginning like I have to manage yeah. the, uh, the the England and often it might be I'm you know just mucking around with Norway and maybe I've got a southern campaign but I, if I'm confident that Germany's not coming from me then I can, I can Warsaw doesn't have to sit there right like it can go and do more yeah, useful yeah. things 
and say like and nobody sees it and you're Germany's busy in the England France German quadrant and there's stuff going on in the the south and I can throw a fleet in the north to help out to kind of just like but not seem like I'm really part of taking apart England gotcha gotcha is, is there a is there an alliance structure or a series of alliances that you're particularly wary of if coming into playing as Russia? It's like, oh, if these two countries combine, e- I'm in EFG. trouble. English, French, Ooh. Germany, yeah. the Western Triple. Yeah, the Western Triple. I mean, the Western Triple's only good for Turkey, really. It's not even really that great for EFG. But Turkey can get to, like, 15 easy. Right. So, I don't want an EFG as... Russia. So how do you counter an EFG if you're playing as Russia? Go you're straight out against you're, Germany. Well, either A, so go, to, go straight out against ge- Germany go, or try to lose no, no, Germany. You, can, you, need to, you need to have... A, England and Russia is also a good alliance. Because, again, the, the people so don't have you, have you had much success doing that one? Yeah. Yeah. That depends on who's there, right? Like, they have to survive the whatever fight is in the West. So that can kind of kill it before it's even begun. Because it's really like a mid-game alliance yeah it's where you go from like 10 to 15 sort of time period yeah and I don't I just I like I hate playing France I don't even know what my average was was France but I bet it's not much slightly (laughs) more than um, Austria which by the stats I um, think I'd rather play Austria than France and that's weird because most people love France France is the highest they like being I'm not in the, very good in the, at France. In the thicker things. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have any, any, apart from the whole, like, if you draw a Russia thing, do you have any other ideas in your head, which you don't have to talk about on tape because, you know, we are going to be potentially competitors, but do you have any ideas for how you're going to approach this tournament differently to any other tournaments? This tournament? Uh, no. No, I do. I, I mean, I have preferred openings for for um, different countries I mean maybe it's that Russia is my most flexible opening because there's certain things that I set up maybe that's actually something I should think about for other countries as well it sounds like you've got a really good flow chart for what happens with Russia yeah, yeah and uh, the other countries I'm a little bit less yeah um, why is France your least favourite I just like people just attack me in France like, I just like I, they just want to get into <laughs> they want to get into um, what's it uh, Gascony, Gascony, sort of, sort Gascony. of area. Well, no, Burgundy. They Burgundy, want to get into Burgundy, yeah, yeah. and then if they get into Gascony, it's a bit over. <laughs> uh, You've got equal opportunity for bounces. Oh, one thing in England, I never go to the English Channel. Maybe once or twice. Oh, really? But I, oh, but I hate to be in the English Channel as England, uh, because it's like such a crap place to be. Right? You've got guaranteed nothing. Well, maybe you had a friendly France. Perhaps you have a friendly France when you go to the English Channel. Well, so so yeah. so so, 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 so uh, Candice got a particular strategy. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe if you've got a real which is this like, idea of like England, Germany, and France <laughs> playing together, so England can kind of get a three supply center opening. Three build. Oh yeah, because I've yeah I've seen that being negotiated after France is annoyed that England is in the English Channel. It's like, yeah, we can patch it up if the English Channel goes into Belgium. I oh, know, no, but his strategy is like 1901, getting England on three SC builds. Yeah. The only way really to do it is, is to have France oh, convoy yeah. 
an, an English oh, army into Belgium. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's just like. Then a, you'd want the French to be happen. on the English well, yeah, I know. Yeah. So it'll take a lot of trust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just to see it happen. Well, you leave London <laughs> like, open. Yeah, 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 between that, that or, you know, right, Russia getting right. four bills in 901. Yes, have you ever had four bills no. in the first? I, well, I don't think so. I've definitely had four bills at some point in a game. Well, you have to uh, be yeah, Russia. Yeah. Not in the 1901. In, I don't, in, like, at, I don't... At the, uh, in the opening. In the opening. I don't think I've ever had four builds in the opening. Oh, yeah. No, I think. Oh, you mean like no, I think so. Subsequent, yeah, okay. I think that's another impossibility. Like, well, the, the only way you can do it is Russia because it's only got four supply centers. There's only got you four could, units. You could do it with yeah, Norway, Norway, Sweden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, yeah as Russia, you could, but yeah, no other feasible. player can you because it's only got three four, units. But it's it's one of those it, probably a really tricky thing to pull off getting four builds. In the I first. don't think it. I think that you would yeah. get your four builds and then you would die. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, be yeah, in a really bad. Squid-like position. <laughs> <laughs> You're just too greedy. <laughs> I like to play. I like the slow burn. The right. slow burn. Yeah. yeah. So that's my Russian strategy. So I don't, like I I don't have any problems telling the world that because I think it's based on it's not based on any kind of deception, right? Like it's no, it's quite quite open. It is what it is. Quite honest. Yeah. 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 So you're almost out of drink. I'm almost out of drink. Mel, you're almost out of drink. Shall we pause for a second? Cool. Okay, so we've got some more drinks. Um, so, Mel, PoppyCon, what's it all about? Well, PoppyCon is a um, is so there's a there's a tournament in the states on Long Island called HuskyCon. Yes, and it's at a house, and uh, it was they've had they had around ten tournaments or more when I was in the States and it was just a really lovely feel with lots of people staying over even partners of people coming um, it was competitive but I think it wasn't like nasty Skull, wasn't or, skullduggery you know, type yeah not stuff, skullduggery yeah. well there's probably a few on it but, but mostly it was a lot of people getting together to have a nice time on Long Island they had a wharf you could go swimming um, you know, it was the only it was the only diplomacy tournament that I know of that had groupies, right? Group- groupies, <laughs> yeah, like basically the uh, the the diplomacy wives, if you like. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. Um, Matt Matt um, really enjoyed hanging out with the diplomacy wives. Matt's your husband. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they were all female and he was male. <laughs> 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 they were all in bikinis, like, going on. going yachting in Long Island Sound and everything. Well, we well, we hung out in the basement and. And play diplomacy. <laughs> so he always thought that he had the better end of the deal. It was a, it was a really good weekend, right? So lots of fun, um, and just you know, at somebody's house, so there's no time draws, and um, and so when we got this place, which is um, you know got a lot of nice open spaces, there's rooms upstairs that people could stay in. Um, I thought it would be um, a good sort of thing to institute within Australia, and you know, work's got quite busy, so I'm not hosting, having as much of a role in organising things at the moment Um, but Goffey has agreed to bring all the people here so I'm just as excited as you are to see who shows up tomorrow (laughs) especially in the middle of this COVID-19 I'd like to yeah, we should call this the COVID nineteen episode. Yeah. So COVID nineteen, <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, that song's been going through my mind too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they called it Husky Con because they had three huskies. 
Yeah. Uh, and when we moved in here, we had one cat called Poppy. And so it's called PoppyCon after um, Poppy the cat. After Poppy. Who was a little black cat. She was born in Boston and we brought her over. Oh, and, uh, cool. Yeah, she was... Um, she was a great cat to have around a diplomacy tournament because she didn't try and bat the pieces or anything. Oh, yes. And she wasn't afraid yes. of anybody, so she'd just sort of be around and um, hanging out. But I don't know how these cats are going to be like. So we've got Rolo so and on. Poppy, yeah, Poppy got breast cancer. and uh, I didn't know cats could get breast cancer, yeah, but that makes well, sense, I suppose. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. They've got memory so it makes perfect yeah. sense yeah so her diagnosis i can't remember which year it was but it was um when i looked on the um about the scientific literature around it she had like 10 months pretty much average but she lasted two and a half years so wow. she had a good innings we didn't put her under any chemotherapy because i think that's a bit mean for a cat but so she had a really good quality of life up until the last week or two where she just stopped eating and and then, you know, that was that. And then to get over Poppy, I got two cats. So that's Rollo and Floppy. <laughs> so. so how many Poppy cons have there been? Is this the second or the third? I think there might third? have been... No, no, I think there was three or four, maybe. Oh, so this might be the... It's either the fourth or, fourth or fifth. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, so it's been on hiatus for a couple of years. I mean, you know, there's, 2016 wasn't a very good year. That's <laughs> when uh, Poppy was diagnosed, and, and then I guess she died in 2018, and there was a lot of stuff at work. So there's been a bit of a break, um, and so this is sort of like a PoppyCon sort of Mark reunion, two. if you like. Mark 2, yeah. yeah. And so I don't know if we should call it Rollo and FloppyCon, or I think we'll just call it <laughs> PoppyCon. The last PoppyCon had a Survivor's Award, because Poppy was still surviving. <laughs> oh, wow. Brilliant. So. And at its height... How many boards were played? I don't know if we got to. We might have got to four boards. Wow! I'm not sure. That's. But very it would have impressive. been if we got to four. It would have been with some a few people playing. Double ups. Double ups. Yep. Maybe three. Yeah. I have to look back. It'll be all on the internet. I have a, a, a kind of a short memory for diplomacy games now. Before I and like there's some games when I started playing that I remember like pretty much every move, but. Nowadays, it's harder. <laughs> I can still remember one of my very earliest diplomacy games ever. My it was introduced by my father, and we were playing with my my brother and my cousins. And my father was playing an actual country, and I remember um, my father making a deal with me, thinking that oh no. Kana will never um, stab his brother for on this deal, and I remember actually, you know, going through on the deal and stabbing my brother on it. My brother, he lost his, he lost the plot. He's never played the game again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think that's when I fell in love with it. You know, just, you know, um, you know I I do regret that in some ways, but I think. There's a lot of learning from that as well. It yeah. Was, um, but I know exactly what you're talking about, about almost having that, that, that those, those memories of those earlier yeah. games where you're like, oh, yeah, okay, this is this is still very new, this, this stuff's happening, and it's like I don't quite get the whole yeah. dynamic of everything, but I'm giving this a go yeah. and yeah, just seeing where that Yeah, I, I mean, I remember my first diplomacy tournaments. I pretty much didn't eat or sleep. 
for the whole tournament. It was so exciting. Like, you're just like <laughs> butterflies before the boards are drawn out. <laughs> Couldn't eat. I must, must admit, like, last year with, with um, the Melbourne Open, I felt a similar thing where it was a real absolute buzz. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, the it's almost like the, the thrill of the hunt type of thing when you're going out there and you don't know how things are going to go and whether you'll be successful or whether you're going to lose. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. really... It's a, it's a a stimulating challenge that I don't think you really get in modern life. You know yeah. what I mean? Even if you kind of play diplomacy online, it's yeah. it's very hard to replicate that same yeah. feeling. Yeah. Um, I was saying to to Kana, and um, listeners will soon hear about this in the pre-recorded thing that we did before this. That uh, I recently just played a game which I soloed, which was a fifty-player map. And that was something which was the closest thing I've got to online playing that replicated a face-to-face environment where, like, literally, I had put in my orders, I'd been working on my strategy and got to the very end and actually had won. And literally, I, like, texted him saying, I'm physically shaking, you know what I mean? Like, my hands were like... And I couldn't stop it, you know what I mean? The buzz was just incredible. Yeah. Um, so that's the only time I've been able to replicate that in an online environment compared to what you get with a face-to-face scene where it's just the tension and the adrenaline is just yeah. pumping through you. It's just a total buzz. Well, I think it's like, it's like a whole body game, right? Like you're not sitting around the board rolling dice right like all of your decisions are non-random yep everybody else's decisions are non-random so you know and there's the trust and the betrayal aspect to it that has is so you know mirrors real life but you get it instead of something that might be a betrayal over a year from a friend that doesn't call you back or whatever it's like every 15 minutes you get to check whether or not you were right in assuming something bad was going to happen you know and so you get a really it's almost like a safe place to delve into those parts of human relationships that yeah. you wouldn't that that would create problems in real life how do you feel when you've been betrayed uh, I'm, I'm pretty calm you know like I I try yeah I don't think I've really ever lost like the plot when I've been betrayed I've I've sometimes made a bit of a show for because it's strategically valuable yeah um but usually i'm looking at like how they how we could turn it around yep and i also think that that's kind of valuable because you, you know like sure you might not have a great game after you've been betrayed your 14 center dreams or your solo dreams might be now like <laughs> can i survive on two or will it be one yep. you know but i i value the survival more than like a lot more than an elimination like i'd much rather be on the board on one at the end of the game than be eliminated yep. and so i'll fight for all my centers and and part of that will be allying with the person that just stabbed me like I'm not too proud to you know spit the dummy and never talk to the person again you know like I'm like you know I could actually you know help you here let's say I just turn around you take everything behind me and there's a, yeah there's a 
I, I've, I've definitely noticed a big difference between experienced players who have been around the game of diplomacy for some time mm. and players who are entirely new to that space. Mm. And all relatively new. All relatively new yeah, to yeah. it. Um, and how they react to a well-orchestrated stat. Yeah. Yep. Um, and an experienced player does exactly what you've just said, you know, will... Well, I kind of enjoy it as well. It's like a, just, yep. just a different kind of puzzle, right? Like yeah. The first puzzle is to try and figure out how to get behind somebody's defences yep. if you're in the growth phase, right? Like, what are they going to do? How? And then the second type of puzzle is, you know, how you stay alive and how do you be useful to somebody else? And, and stay what on the can board. you offer? Yep. You know, like, there's... You really... If you're going to be... If you've been knocked back so that you're not going to... You know, you're not going to dominate the game anymore. Then you, you, the whole calculation becomes completely different. It's like, you know, what do you offer people? There's so many players that will get stabbed and they're on one or two, and they'll be the ones board gaming on another table, and you know, they'll jot down some orders and throw them in. Whereas, I, like, I'm almost more invested in the game when I'm on those small supply centers. Like, I, I enjoy both aspects of. It. No, that's cool. Yeah. Um, when we were recording in what, March, from memory, unfortunately as a bloke, I, at work, I kind of got this thing about International Women's Day recently. <laughs> so I'm really keen, and you touched on this earlier, as a, as a woman playing diplomacy, and we know this is un, unfortunately, and I, I do say the word unfortunately, with bold and underline, is a male-dominated game, generally speaking. Um, how have you felt the community and how you've approached it and how you've been treated and how do you feel that women can be more participatory in the game and what, what we can do as a community to try to attract more women into the game? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I've always felt really comfortable in diplomacy circles. Like, I don't... I don't think it's a blokey bloke area. I think it's yeah. I, there's a perception of that, but I don't think it's real. I've never been. I've never been the type of person that goes in for um, like girl nights and boys on the town kind of like. I, I've never really felt. I guess that disconnect of the two genders yep. that they that there's like a sphere for women and there's a sphere. Yep. For men, so so I've kind of never felt um, that that my gender has really played into. I mean, I've certainly I've certainly noticed that there's not too many women at tournaments, right? Um, and uh, it is uh, somewhat beneficial to um, overhear snippets of negotiation, and when they're saying she, they mean you. Oh yeah, oh, like, I didn't like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so you might not hear who they're talking about, it, it's, but they're it's talk- you know slipper. they're talking about yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're the only woman at the tournament. Actually, that's 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 great because that's a real advantage. Yeah, and so at, at tournaments in Australia, I think like Goffy's done a really great job in bringing like like I think I played on a board where there were more women than men. The like recently, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that uh, and then I didn't have that. Like they were talking about she, and I was like, "Well, they might not be talking." Like, I think they're talking about me, but they're probably not. You have to think about it a little bit more. Uh, so um, yeah, so I haven't, I haven't felt 
I, yeah, you know, like I can see that there's there's a lot of um, women that might not feel comfortable in a sort of a male dominated area. That's fine. It just hasn't been. That's just not my experience. And yeah. you know, I mean, I'm a woman scientist, so that's also like a male dominated area. Like I've probably been in male dominated areas, and and I've got you know two brothers that I grew up with, and and. Uh, another half-brother and a half-sister, so I don't want to leave them out, but, but, you know, like, there's, that's, I don't think I've ever been in that sort of, that really stereotypical feminine environment, yeah. like, I didn't like to play with dolls, I, you know, so, so, so it hasn't really felt like any kind of barrier to break. No, that's cool. So, like, I think I asked you a, a multi-barreled question, so I think the last bit of the question was, like, your thoughts on how we can make the game more attractive but more open to female players do you think it makes a difference at all or is this a case of look we're all this is the game and whoever this is the game and if if you're into it you're into it I mean I've always thought that like 99% of the population wouldn't touch diplomacy with a 10 whether they're male or female I totally agree you know and I think that probably the um, if you're going to talk about gender stereotypes then it's really the 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 stereotypical um like it, I think it's a little bit more macho in the sense that you um, you're on the attack. It's it's a bit like you know I want your sense rather than I mean there's an aspect of working together. I yep. mean maybe that's kind of where you wanna you wanna build up the hobby. But then you know like uh, I remember in the states there was always the East Coast Care Bears was a derogatory kind of. Yep. Saying yep, for the because they were yep. all they were all the alliance players, right? Like it's just two of them got together and then they dominated the world, the board. They got to sixteen each and then they'd call a draw, and you know people was like, oh, that's just like almost like cheating. Which I don't think that's cheating. I mean, I think that's good. That's good strategy, right? Absolutely, yeah. So you can win tournaments like that. Yeah, provide the one I have a harder time with the the. And I have a few players in line that can do this. But they, you know, like, they'll be the ones that are in 15, 16, and nobody else is more than 8 centimetres. And it's like, how did, they, how did the board let this happen? Mm, yeah. You know, like, one person dominating without any kind of clear alliance partner at all. Yeah, everyone's just playing by themselves as a game like, of chess, yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, and these people yep. just rise to the top. Like, like, like that's wrong. Like why couldn't yeah, the other yeah, people why, get why, their why stuff? Why is no one else talking to each <laughs> other? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah. So I, I've yeah. always, I always felt the game's very Machiavellian. Coming back to your point there, Amby, um, and I don't think myself personally that you know that way of approaching a problem just lies with men. Right. Yeah. I think, I've, and I've always thought that. And coming back to your point, I think it's actually ninety-eight percent of the population wouldn't touch the game to start with, and the half that do will never play it again. Yeah. <laughs> um. Precisely because there's a certain amount of moderating your emotion and that manipulation of your words and making sure that what you're saying is actually true to point. Well, some people just lie. And some people just lie, but, you know, I know some people just lie. I I will lie to um, one or two people on the board. 
Like, it's very... I'll only lie when it's really necessary. And I I can feel my sort of... I, I, I get told that I lie very well. Yeah, but the... And I can pick say, other people lying very I, I, well. But, I, but, yeah. I think of good players, and I think of you as a good player. And I think of you as a good player as well, Andy. It's, it's being able to say a thing and being able to have wiggle room in that thing and whatever that thing is is being heard as being what the other person kind of needs to hear or wants to hear oh, yeah, and I, being able to yeah, move on that that's true line. but I, I very rarely do that I'll either like down the line a bit more uh, yeah I'm yeah. either more very like I'm telling the truth or I'm lying through my, pe- my teeth I very rarely okay. try and um, manipulate somebody into thinking I mean something else when I based no, on some no, sort no, of no, slippery think, syntax no no I, I think what I'm saying is but like I've, um, I've seen people do it oh yeah yeah but I, but, I, but I but I don't do it yeah I don't think I do it I, maybe other people would disagree with me it's always interesting to see other people's perspective of how truthful you were compared to what you think Oh, no, 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 like everything, no, I'm, I'm just thinking back to uh, the game that you and I were yeah. in together and everything you did say was absolutely 100% true, right? Yeah. But it was my interpretation of that that led to my error. But how uh, much in, of that was your thinking but, and interpretation? Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That was probably you sense. thinking that I was being slippery when I wasn't. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. That was actually my, my interpretation of... of He's dealt with too many slippery and players and he kind of tied it with the same brush. You were maybe, yeah, you were maybe I, I projecting your own style projecting on my me. own yeah. thing. So, you know, like... <laughs> re- Recognising, you know, your own... Um, your own fallacies in, in this game is actually, you know, quite a... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of learning for myself in that going forward, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Moving back to countries, you touched on Russia, France, Austria. Um, Are you I, trying I, to work out a strategy so that Melbourne will describe every single country <laughs> and you know how to respond to her accordingly for no, the no. tournament? No. Because no, I play, no, I play I, very I, much people, so there's not that many... Uh, can, I, know, like, can I ask on that people side? So, like, I remember the very last game at at, la, at the Melbourne Open last year, where um, Goffey was playing. He was being tournament director whilst playing two boards. Okay, and he drew. I think it may have been Austria, and basically, I kind of orchestrated. I can't. Remember, I think it was Turkey. I orchestrated Russia and Italy just to gang up and kill him. You know. When you've got a player who is just like very well known in the diplomacy circles as being a great player, how do you change your strategy, or or do you, or do you? Or, I mean, what what's your thinking around that? I mean, Goffy's gonna Goffy Goffy to me is he's he's unpredictable because I don't see the same things that he sees. He's but when we're in alliance, he's very predictable. So it's 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 to me playing with these these great players that that always do well no matter where they are and who they're playing with, right? Like if I feel like we've got a solid alliance, that's 
exclusive, if you like, then I'm very comfortable, right? Because yeah. they're going to be doing the, they're going to be predictably working with the alliance, right? Like if I can see growth for myself, I can see growth for my partner. Uh, it, it doesn't matter if they're a good player or not. You know, if they're a new player and they're amenable to like talking through strategy, and we can both grow, then that's when I'm at my happiest. You could call me an East Coast Care Bear if you like. Um, it's harder when I when though. when I'm not not with the amount of wins that you've got on the book. <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't soloed in the tournament. Oh well, you know. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think. The no. Stats are pretty good on your side. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so it's sort of. So it depends, right? Like, it depends on where I feel like their loyalties lie. Like, if they're invested in an alliance with me, then I, and I see that that's beneficial for them. Like, I'm always thinking about what does what's beneficial for that other person, right? Like, if they are trying to talk me into doing something and I don't see it as being beneficial for them, then I'm suspicious. So when you've got like that, as you said, like an exclusive partnership, and let's let's assume it's Goffy for lack of a better person, okay? Okay, sorry, um, Goffy. It's okay. He won't hear this. <laughs> We're not going to play this term until it goes live in two weeks, actually about a week's time. So he won't know. There's not going to impact on him for this sort of. <laughs> well, he's the tournament director, so he's probably not even. Thinking. He's not going to care. No, <laughs> he won't care. So you you've got this special relationship. Are you watching for what that player also does with other players? Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. How? What's the telltale signs you find that indicates, hmm, things are a little bit at risk, I need to watch this or whatever? Well, I mean, if it's another player that's a similar size to me and he's supporting them into places, then... That's pretty obvious. And he's not telling me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not expecting it. And maybe, you know, like I'm working... You know, like, let's say it's Germany and I'm working with Italy over France and, and he's kind of like, I don't know, taking a, a an Italian centre, yeah, yeah. you know, like supporting Germany into Venice or something. When, you know, then that to me would be something that, like, I'd just start having alarm bells and he'd be like, oh, well, you know, it's we're working together, but it's like, well, but yeah, we're trying to... Janissary, this other yeah. guy, and this is kind of like this is wrecking my relationship with this other person that's the minor player in our alliance. Kind yeah. of, you know, so it's 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 how much knowledge I have of the overall strategy that starts to, you know, like if he's doing things that I don't expect, then I don't I don't like. That. But so there's lots the, of times yeah. we could do stuff that's not discussed in other alliances, right? That's true. And that is absolutely consistent with how I view the board, and I'm perfectly happy. So it's not like I want somebody to discuss everything with me all of the time. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. We might pause. Pause. Okay, um, we're, we're back, listeners. Uh, uh, cheers, everybody. Cheers. 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 Cheers, cheers indeed. Cheers, you got it. <laughs> Toast with the bit that you don't put your lips on because we're not shaking hands or anything. So, um, um, Andrew Goff has joined us as well as um, Matt and Albert. Albert. <laughs> I knew we were going to Sorry, Albert. <laughs> I, I knew a lot better before I started drinking. <laughs> we all knew more before we started drinking. <laughs> Lies. We've had dinner. We've had 
I don't know about you guys. I, I, like, I literally have polished off a bottle of wine. <laughs> and it was an all glorious dinner. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. Very, very tasty. Beautiful Thanks. roast pork. Thank you very much. And the roast pork Luckily, delicious. none of us were um, Jewish um, or Muslim or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Either religion would be Both was cool. But, um, I've got some mushrooms. And oh, yeah, all today, vegetarian. Yeah, all yeah, vegetarian, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Albert. Um, so we were talking a little bit about... I can't actually remember what we were talking about before um, Goffey and Albert and Matt turned up. We were talking about like how I deal with um, really right. good players. On yes. Board. And there is none better than... Uh, oh, so we were talking about you. <laughs> than Mr. Andrew Goff over there in the corner. He's trying to shake his head to pretend he's not a good player. Um, Shaking your head doesn't work too well on a tape recording. Yeah. <laughs> That's very, very true. So you're actually the tournament director for Poppycon? That's right. By yes. default? Yes, you don't have to put up with me playing this weekend. Everyone. Oh, you're not playing? Well, not properly. You no. might have to. If you have to sub in, you have to sub in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you, you do your best. Um, but I'm not in it to win it, as it were. Yes. So... Uh, yeah. It makes them extra dangerous as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it makes me extra random. <laughs> <laughs> far less predictable. And we were talking just before um, we started playing uh, Press Play about one thing we do, and I don't know if you guys listen to the show at all much, but uh, we've started having a, a semi-regular, uh, what would you call it, like a topic area called, you know, the newbies, you know what I mean? So, like, if you're starting to play diplomacy, what do you need to know? And we've covered off things like, you know, you know, knowing your neighbours, trying to build relationships, strategy and stuff like that. Actually, I can't really remember what we talked about, but... Uh, yeah. Um, but we had talked we, about we, the we, idea we, we of kind of, of getting a couple of other people, apart from dickheads like us, to talk around what should new players coming into the game really know and understand, and how should they approach things? Well... Albert, pay attention. I have, I, have some, I have some fairly strong views about that. I think I think that the first thing that new players should do is really work on um, identifying somebody that they can trust. Them. Fuck. I can see we're very technically... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Accidentally pressed pause. I'm a bit pissed. <laughs> <laughs> so are we now. <laughs> so as I was saying, I think, I think it's important for new players to approach a board and figure out who they can trust. And they, they should basically just use their whatever skills they have to determine whether people are lying to them or whether they are telling the truth. So channel it in a little in a monologue or whatever, like, can I trust this person, can I not? A bullshit yeah, detector. Yeah, basically. Like, a you bullshit need, detector. You need your bullshit yeah, detector, you. right? Like, and that's just a common sense skill, right? Like, that doesn't need to... You don't need to know anything about the rules of diplomacy. Correct, yeah. Right, like, so... So you need to figure out who's bullshitting you and who's not. And if you can find yourself uh, with a player that you think is not bullshitting you, but that has some semblance of strategy, then you should stick with them at the beginning of the game. I think that ties in pretty closely to my biggest piece of advice as well, which is take the first game or two as a learning experience. You wouldn't expect to win your first game of any sport you play. But so long as you're learning from it, then yeah. you'll pretty quickly pick up diplomacy. Yeah. My first game was terrible. By about the sixth or seventh game, I've started to sort of really get into the swing of things. So I got and eliminated my first two games, but then I got seven. And it was like, and that was enough to get in the top ten in the tournament. There you go. 
So I was like, whoa. You know, but but it, part of that was like I allied with somebody that nobody else wanted to ally with on the board because they were desperate and I could tell <laughs> that they were telling me the truth. And so, and so like they told me a lot of my orders to write, but I also knew that those orders were good, right? Like, so you've got, you've got to ask for the advice from the more experienced yeah. players of what the good orders are and then pass them through the bullshit test to make sure that they're also good for you, right? Like, and when they, and if somebody tells you to make an order that you're like, I don't think this is good for me, then, you know, question them on it. You know, don't just kind of act randomly because then if the person wasn't feeding you a line, they're going to, like, get very rapidly bored and attack you instead because you're being random. Yeah, don't flip-flop is good advice for any player at any skill level. If you're going to change who you're working with, do it for a reason, not because someone asked for support to somewhere. Um, And I think that's, again, it feeds into that learning idea that, yeah, your first game you might get stabbed, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, don't take it personally. It's meant to be a fun board game. And um, if you think you're going is to it? rock up every single time... You... <laughs> is it meant to be fun? It's meant to be. <laughs> Except when you're dead. And there's no lot of fun. Um, I think that that's... I guess that's the biggest thing for me. That use your first couple of games to get comfortable with the rules and how the flow of the game works don't sweat about the mistakes you might make you will make mistakes I still make mistakes I misordered it a couple of times last, yeah. the it, last it, couple of games yeah, it just one happens. of them it, it worked out fine though. I think. so don't, don't panic don't stress about the mistakes you're making learn from them as you go and I think Mel's advice is spot on find someone who you can trust work with them and learn from them that's yeah. best advice I think. so you know when it comes to your, you know, your radar about trying to work out who you can trust and not you know I, I think Mel you put it very very well about the whole concept actually coming from some or, or, or gothic because I'm pretty pissed <laughs> Sorry. A sense be great tomorrow but like you, you hold the concept of the bullshit detector you know what yeah. I mean how do you <clears throat> How do you channel that that bullshit detector to work out that someone's telling you the truth, someone's not, or I don't know. I it's a feeling, like I, I mean, it's the kind of when you watch somebody, are they, you know, like when you're talking to somebody, are they looking you in the eye, or are they, you know, when they say something, do you, they they change their story midstream? I mean, I I guess it's just. Kind of like a gut okay. feeling. Yeah, some people have it. I think it's probably very hard for us to speak about that in a diplomacy context. The way I do it is, I've played a lot of diplomacy, and I know when a story doesn't add up. Yeah, but I mean, actions may mean yeah. more than words. I can so wait two or three years before I need to decide who to trust and who not to trust. Yeah. So it's really hard for me to say, well, this is what you should look for as a new player. Because we'd already be getting into some advanced sort of yeah. strategy. Pointers. I'll tell you what, though. I think that sometimes people who aren't <laughs> trustworthy, you can actually get them on your side by just saying that you trust them. Yeah, playing that yes. untrustworthy yes. player to a like degree. Like there's, you know a, there's the some. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. some people that just lie 
because their mouth is open. But there's other people that are like making they're making decisions Absolutely. about who they're going to be with, right? Like, and you can sometimes sway that by just saying, "Look, I'm going to trust you, and we're going to go," you know. So, and then that engenders a trust, and they feel like you trust them, so they feel like they can yeah. go in with the plan because they think it's going to be. And they might take you out later, but in your first few games, that's okay. You're learning. I think um. You've oh no, re- I still use that strategy now. You you've actually reminded <laughs> you, you've actually reminded me of something that I still do to this day as well, and that is often everyone is being honest. This might surprise people who have heard about diplomacy as the game that wrecks friendships. I hate yeah. it when everybody's honest. But who act- do you attack? Who do you attack? <laughs> it's a big yeah. problem. Yeah. I, I totally, I totally agree. And, and the higher the quality of play, That's the, the more the worst that, thing that more that is a problem. Um, the one thing you really should consider is, well, who are you going to enjoy working with more for the next three hours? If one person you're considering working with is boring, sort of scratching around, doesn't want to really talk about anything, it's it just going to be a boring game. Yeah. So work with the interesting person. I find actually newer players are often so terrified of letting go of secrets that they they are too closed like you can't break into yeah. what they what's motivating them or what yep, they yep. want to do who they want to work with because they're like if, I, I can't tell you because then you use it against me if, right like you've got to let stuff you've got to build that relationship yep. if, if you are a new player and you go to someone look I really want to work against this person because they're annoying the living snot out of me Oh, that'll work. <laughs> that, that'll work. That that's all. That's a perfectly honest, legitimate reason, and an experienced and look, player look, is going to hear I'll, that. I'll be honest, I, some of this stuff isn't yep. just isn't, isn't just like newbie player stuff. It's just like oh, it's anybody's player stuff. Like I'm in, I'm in a particular game at the moment. I won't give any. It's an online game where two players have allied. They're clearly thick as thieves, but I've been like chip 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 chipping away. At one player saying, you know, you know, your ally, yeah, he's very abrupt in his communication, pretty demanding, you know. I'm happy to go with it, but you know, oh, I don't know if he's like really a long-term yeah. partner for me. How are you finding that? <laughs> you know, some of those concepts start like, slowly <laughs> dripping doubt in their, their That's mind. That's pretty much like every, yeah. pretty Remember. much every game that tries to get Goffy off an alliance is like. Yeah. uses that same kind of psychology. Like, he's the Mel, world champion. Mel, Mel like, how dis- long do you <laughs> This was a decade ago. You once described my style as little drops of poison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Like, I, yeah. that, that's much more advanced I'm too, than I'm you too lazy. Stuff, I'm too lazy to play the whole board and try and manipulate every single relationship on it. But gothic manipulating. <laughs> can, 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 I, can I digress for a moment from the newbie segment? And, like, we've interviewed <laughs> Few, a, a number of players over quite a period of time, and uh, quite a few of them have dropped Goffy your name in vain. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> and often it's a case of your approach has been far more seductive than they expected. You know, oh, yeah. in Goffey, the sense of you know working slowly with the board but against particular players and they've often found themselves 
even though you have a certain gravitas, if I can call it that, that they've <laughs> underestimated you. You know what I mean? Like yeah. thinking that yes, you have a certain reputation, but that they can manage it, and finding that maybe they can't. Um. Well, I think one of the principles I work with is I always try and give the other half of the deal a slightly better deal than I'm getting. And they've said that too. And the trick then is that I'm trying to do that with four people. Mm. Oh, yeah, okay. So if... And I found it often I'm like the third one on the list. I mean, it doesn't... It doesn't oh, no. So if you are on the list, I'm trying to do a good deal by you. But the principle is... If I get four pretty good deals and you get one good deal well, I'm, I'm doing way better I, I'm doing way better out of those transactions and that's like the 15 the person on 15 where everybody else is on 6 yeah. the way the way I have always got my my 18s has been I am on 14 or 15 centres and I still have two allies who hate each other and who <laughs> want to work with me They've been attacking each other all game, and I've been helping both of them all game. And then nobody noticed. <laughs> and I, I'm on. And sometimes it's crass. Sometimes you actually go, "Well, now I'm on 15. I am actually going to have to take some centers from you." But quite often, it, they just go, "Well, I'd rather you have the 18 than this bastard over here get a sixth center." <laughs> and, you go, okay. And oh, you really? Oh, if you must. Yeah. Sure, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, it, so that's Bella like, Donna must be tasty. Like, like yeah. honestly, there must be some sort of like honey to the honey to There's, the pot. Like, well, some of it is also you don't have to go for that eighteen every single time. That a failing a lot of not new players, but the next step is that they get to eight or nine centers, and that's when they stab. Because they're, they're on eight or nine, and that means it's time to stab. It, it, it really isn't. Unless you can see six centres in front of you, and you're, you're definitely going on from there, nine is exactly the wrong time to stab. Yes. And there's some very 14. good game theory. Fourteen, five, you're better off stabbing at five than you are if you're in a sort of eight, nine. I was, I was just saying that's earlier mm, on in the evening that that's, like that's a really ten centre rusher is at its most vulnerable. Yes, or, or for me with my German stuff, which is sort of similar. At 10 centres in Germany, you it's can collapse. Boom or bust. It's exactly the wrong time to be trying to upset a strategy that's working. And if you're on nine centres, I'd suggest your strategy is going okay. Probably. Um, I think a lot of people underestimate me as well because I don't attack first I don't think that's a trait that's special to me so when you're opening what's your goal one two three supply centers um four if you're Russian he doesn't care you don't give a shit couldn't care less okay that's that's interesting I would say not t- not three. I don't want three supplies. No, no. We, 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 we actually, we were talking, I think, on the plane, wasn't it, around the whole concept of three just paints a target in the back. You need from. to have... I, I mean, good, if you have a, a solid ally, then it's okay. If, if I had the chance to get three builds as England, well, I'd take that. Just <laughs> yes. Then I'd head off to the bar. I'd be, I'd be, I'm done. Can it be done? Um, we're, I, we're already 
I have touchdown. had I have had an, an eight centre rusher. I, I think I think there's a really good point, chance. I packed up my an eight centre rusher to the bar. And then did you get eliminated? Did you get eliminated? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eight five two one zero. Just what? <laughs> but that that was also I I was very much out of contention for the tournament. I got Russia. Um, the the Turk let me into the Black Sea and Austria let me into Galicia and I sort of went, well I've never had eight centers as Russia before. If it's ever going to be a shot to do it, this is it. And do you remember what you took? Yeah, yeah. yeah I took Norway, Sweden, Constantinople, Constantinople. <laughs> Sweden, <laughs> Romania, and Budapest. Oh! oh! <laughs> <laughs> Told you would have pissed everyone off. Constantinople was epic. The, the, the Turk was expecting me to convoy Ankara to Romania. I might have been on that board. Oh, really? Have, we have to check it afterwards, but um, it was going to be a big steamroller. And, and <laughs> God, I hope it wasn't Turkey. <laughs> no, you weren't. I actually know who was Turkey. <laughs> It's one of my good friends, who is still a good friend, actually. Um, Just. <laughs> but he wasn't happy. I think it's a good way to explain things, though, is like, it was just so yeah. cool to have done it that yeah. I just had to. And then, yeah. and you can, it was sort of, you can kill me now, and everyone was going, yeah, we can. I once, <laughs> I once actually got into position for a stab using cubisology. What's that? So I hope, I hope, oh, cube! Like Shane. Yeah, okay, cool. The shape of Shane. Like, this is yeah, in the, so this I'm is in the in, States. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in cube I don't even remember who it was, but I remember it was in the States, right? And it was just like, I, I think I was Russia. And I had like this beautiful line except for one little piece. And it was within my own borders, and I really needed it to be a head, another <laughs> little piece, uh, just so that, um, so that I could like launch the stab, right? Like, so I moved it. And, um, of course, my ally was immediately like, oh, why did you move that? And I was like, I just wanted to make a pretty pattern on the board. <laughs> and they completely bought it. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just because I'm a female, but I'm not, nah, you know, like... People buy that. I pulled out Cubis and his, like, and his beautiful, like, his idea that there's just a line that flows forth. And, uh, yeah, I completely bought it. Got the great stab. It's an awesome game. Yeah, I think... Um Circling back to advice for new players, yes. this little conversation here shows you what it's actually more about. That your first game, you'll be seeing things that you've never done before. So do things you've never done before and see how they go. Particularly Let's if you've played fun. just online, you know what I mean? Like, how do you then yeah. take online to your first game? Well, I, I used, I used um, like, just Gunboat, right? Like, after I'd played some tournaments... I played a lot of gunboat games. There was no negotiation, just yep. because they were fast, um, just to learn tactics. Yes. So that I could write orders quickly. So I would say the inverse of that the other way. If you've been playing online, the number one thing that will trip you up isn't the negotiation. Everyone thinks it's the negotiation, yeah, it's but actually it's the tight timelines. Getting the time, getting your oh. orders in on time. I, I found that like last year with the with the Melbourne Open, the very first game and. I don't know where everyone's fucked off to. <laughs> so, 
Matt He's Albert so far just pissed off. I reckon off. Matt probably just offered tequila in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I 100% agree with you, Goffy, because like that, that, I was really tricked up by that very first game last year where uh, Tim and Jamal just like bailed me up at various points of time. Oh, yeah. Where, like, I didn't realise they like they deliberately were like, and they were doing it on purpose. They were doing it on purpose, like just drawing low, down the low. spine. That's really low, Tim. Yeah, Tim. <laughs> yeah, Tim. <Asshole>. <laughs> <laughs> um, where we're basically giving next to no time. Where, thanks to the you know um, benevolent game director, to ter- the yeah, tournament director. Was that Goffy? It may have been Goffy. It may have been You know, literally, like, I hadn't kind of submitted orders. And I went very, very, very quickly, the whole concept of the very Welcome beginning. back to the podcast. Yeah, welcome <laughs> back. To the, <laughs> welcome yeah. back, Mr. <laughs> Co-host. <laughs> <laughs> the whole concept of just at least write fucking something down, what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, write your orders before you even leave the table. And you know always what? Always change them. And because I'm assuming at a proper tournament, no one's going to give a shit about that. They're just going to say, no, fuck you. You're oh, it depends oh on that's the, the 90s. That depends on the 90s. We, we don't do that anymore. Uh, we, I, As I, West Coast. I, <laughs> in or more like yeah. Central. <laughs> I, 90s Australia. Orders with Attitude, I think, is uh, what we did in the 90s. That They had to be in a box that was you know, locked. And, you can tell, you can tell yeah, a lot about terrible. what the culture of the tournaments are by reading the tournament rules. Okay. I haven't read the rules for tonight. Have you written any tournament rules for PoppyCon? There's only one tournament rule when I'm a tournament director, and that is the tournament director is always right. Yeah. So if you There's actually, sorry, the, Mel, that's really good advice to a new the, player. Yeah. Don't shit the tournament <laughs> director off. Yeah. That, that's the only way to guarantee yourself a bad time. Yeah, can you, can you can do that. give an example of when that's actually happened? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, it's just oh, yeah. something yeah. to get some more wine. Just an example for the listeners um, who might not have been to a tournament. A tournament director's role is to make sure things run smoothly. Um, there's lots of different ways to do that. But any half-decent tournament director, that's their motivation. And if they're making a decision and you're arguing that decision with them, then you are directly counter to what they're trying to I, do. I've always had yeah. a rule that, like, I've always, when I've run tournaments, I always announce at the beginning that I'm there if you need help resolving a situation. You can resolve it on your own, you don't need me. But if you call me in, I will make a decision, and it doesn't matter if it's wrong or right. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to make the decision, yeah. and your game will continue. So, you know, like, don't assume that you'll get the exact right answer. And what and and, and the outcome of that is, like, I've hardly ever been called to make any kind of adjudication yeah. at all. Everybody figures it out for themselves. They reach a consensus, because they don't know what this crazy tournament is going to do. And I mean, I always little, try and be right, little but I'm not going to stop the tournament for 20 minutes while I go and check every minutiae of a rule. No, no, little no, good no, life no. advice there as well, I think, is maybe you don't know all is the facts. Empty? No. Okay. And, yeah. and um, the, the number one example that I've had a few times is when a player has had to leave oh, a game. You got that one? You're happy? For whatever reason. Yeah. And they have told me three hours ago, and I have told them, okay... If that becomes an issue, I'm going to do this, and then I do it, okay. and then someone else on the board goes, 
I'm going to throw my dummy out of the... I didn't want to play with that person. I want to play with that person. And yeah, then... Yeah, ah. yeah, okay, yeah. All right. Well, fuck you. Yep. And, and at that point, I am absolutely not going to give you anything. My job is to make sure this tournament runs smoothly. This other person has done everything right. And I've made a decision... I, and you're, you're arguing the toss that you actually want someone weaker to play the position so you'll do better and this is ah get out of town that sort of nonsense is is yeah. you show some respect to the tournament director they're literally there not playing in the tournament they're running so that they can make sure everyone else has a good time right can I get you some more um, wine uh, so this is a cab sab double barrel whatever the fuck that means Asian Irish whiskey barrels. Yeah? Yeah. Here we go. Where's it from? I'm used to saying, like, whiskey aged in... Kunawara? Really? Uh, You want to try it? Irish whiskey in Kunawara. That's very (laughs) suspicious. (laughs) Maybe they brought the Irish barrels over. They're not going to make Japanese whiskey, are they? It's okay. Albert didn't have any, so, yeah, you're all good for um, safe driver and everything like that. But I think, I mean, the tournament director, the most important thing is that you appear impartial. Yes. I mean, I, I can get it from the player's point of view. They're having a wobbly because they've gotten really invested in this and, they've, you know, there's all this stuff at stake in there, but it's just, you know, they've, they've let their emotions out or is it a bit more there that sort of flows them? Letting the emotions out. I, I, I'm going to use a sporting analogy. Sorry, everyone who doesn't like the sports ball. It's all right to go, I don't like that decision. But if you then start abusing the umpire... Yeah, you get sent off. You yeah, cross the line. Correct. That, that's the difference. Yeah. That going, oh, really? Okay, you're invested in the game, fine. But going, you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you, you're out to get me. And like, no one I'm, who is a tournament director absolutely. is out to get anyone. That's why, that's why if I'm a tournament director, I try not to listen to arguments on the board. Yeah. Like, if they ask me to, like, what does this order read? Like just, I don't want any, I don't want anybody to like try yeah. and argue that oh the and blah 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 you know like I just like I'm gonna read it. Same with this example. The guy has come to me and said something, and I've made a decision three hours ago what's going to happen if it happens, and now you want to argue the toss with me over the board. The only thing that can do is make me partial, and yeah. as Mel says, I've got to stay impartial. Yeah, absolutely. So I have played in my own tournaments. Like I've played in puppy cons. So, so have I, but so I hate it. I, I can't. I, I was fine with it, but I remember I actually won puppy con once, and uh, my game had finished, and there was like a solo chance going on on another board, but I had um, just got Matt to write down a time between X and Y in the afternoon and put it in his pocket and announce the time draw. So I didn't know when the time draw was. Didn't hang around on the thing. I think you were like, are you nervous? I was like, I had really no... I was really... I wasn't even paying attention. Because, I, you know, like, not... I think partly because I didn't care that much if I came first. Yeah. I wanted to participate, but I didn't want to, like, ruin anybody else's experience with it. Yeah, is yeah. That, yeah. Is that, I, I don't like... Like, I was almost surprised when you were like, like, I'd be kind of nervous right now if if it's like if you were leading the tournament and there was still another game going that could change the result oh, gee, you'd be nervous. interested right like I was nervous. completely uninterested 
Yeah. I was more interested in like hanging I, out on the deck and drinking a glass of wine and chatting with people that had finished the game. Like whatever happened on that game was yeah. completely outside of my control. I used to really dislike top boards as a way of deciding tournaments, mm -hmm. but I've actually come around to them, not for any good reason, but just because if you're on a top board and the top board finishes, you know. Perfect. You don't have to stress about <laughs> something happening over on the other side Why of the room. Why would you be stressed? I, I always stress about that. <laughs> and you'd, you'd think I'd be over it by now, but no, I always stress about how other players are going. And it, it's it's not useful. It's probably a flaw in my game that I'm sort of going, oh, I did really well today, but... I've got to get an extra centre because mm -hmm. that game's still going. That, the World Championship, I, I got a 17 in the first round, and it's like, all right, I'm on the top board. Nothing else should matter for the next two days. But... Two boards along from me, Doug Moore got an 18. Oh, and what if it was another one? <laughs> Suddenly I'm going, oh no! It <laughs> doesn't matter! It's not going, I can just relax, take it easy. But no, you, you, I still stress it's it's a bad, um, it's not a, not a positive or productive stress. It's better things to worry about. So, again, coming back to the whole you know, newbie thing, when it comes to better things to sort of worry about. What should a new player worry about? I think that's almost a list of things not to do right. as a new player. Which uh, are? Well, the first one is don't do nothing. Yes. Pick a pick a pick, pick a pick a, a, a player to go on the with fence, and fucking go, and go one way or the other. And don't have your unit sitting there ordering holds. Yes. Yeah, you can't oh, just yeah. like oh. you can't win by not attacking anybody. Yeah. They'll just somebody will attack you, and then you. Yeah. yeah. So do something with Do everything. something yeah. every turn. Yeah. Um, don't wait till the last minute to write your orders. Um, write a set of orders that's like you that you not just write what? a set of orders right at the beginning. Fuck up. You can even have two order pads. You can have your your orders that are your backup plan if you run out of time. Oh, I've, actually, I've, I've, I've done that before where I've actually written down two sets of orders, one where you kind yeah, of have your backup that. plan yeah. and then you kind of I've just flip over to your other plan and, and, just one out. and yeah. my, you know, sticking with the alliance orders yeah. and then made the decision I, when the time goes. I, I don't tend to do that, but I have seen so many players in Europe who do that yeah. and do it so effectively. Yeah. And for me, that I just confuse myself if I do it and I, I would be terrified of putting the wrong set of orders in. Yeah. But it's I've seen people I'm do that okay so I'm okay with it, but I, you yeah. know, the other thing is that I often will write orders with my ally, and I'll happily show them to them. So so I kind of would need a second set of orders to put um, in, because you know, <laughs> I think, because I think, I've already started the, like, here I'm writing, yeah, I've got that support written, here it is, yeah, right? If like, I'm being brutally honest, I think I've had one stage, I've had three sets of orders. <laughs> the original orders. Oh, you probably just look the, like, the a, like a bumbling idiot. The original orders, the orders that then I showed someone who I was quote-unquote an ally with, but I was about to stab, to say, look, I'm not going to, everything's all cool, and then the actual final orders based on the, the two. Yeah. I think uh, that's... A, Diverting away from new player. Yeah, help. correct. Sorry, my apologies. Um, 
that's actually a real giveaway from me is if I've been working with someone and they haven't shown me their orders all game and then they go, here, look, I'm not going to stab you. I'm going, oh, yes, you ah. are. Oh, you better. That's, that's as, as a way of telling if someone can be trusted in the mid-game, yep. if something really changes, they'd want to really, really have a good reason for it to change. Okay. Like, if they've just been stabbed expect their behaviour to change but if things seem to be going along fine and suddenly someone is looking you in the eyes all the time that means they're desperately trying to convince you to trust them and you know if I stare at you like this the whole time I'm talking again this is not much good for the recording but you can we, instant, we are maintaining constant eye contact instantly <laughs> not natural no, no, it's instant, very unusual. something is wrong there I think what I do when, when that points. situation happens is that that I I really spend a bit of time investing in the thoughts process of sticking with the alliance, and so I'll start talking to them about like what that's going to lead to, and um, and sometimes I'm even like I even feel like that's now an option because I've thought it through and I'm you know and so so it comes across as very genuine. Yeah. I can, and it feels genuine at the time I as can, well, even though I know that that's probably not what I'm going to do. Yep. I convince myself not to stab a lot more than I convince yeah. myself yeah. to stab. <laughs> Stabbing is almost so always wrong. you convince yourself not to stab more than you convince yourself to stab? Yeah. Is that okay. if, so I, if, if I'm left one. looking at a board and you can sort of go, wow, I could stab for three centres, if I have 30 seconds to think about it, I'm a chance to do it it's tempting everyone is tempted by it but if I've given two minutes to think it through yeah no nah, I'm not yeah. going to do it I'm on nine centres I could get to twelve centres yes yeah. and that's when I'd come back and I'd be like I'm feeling a little vulnerable now but I feel like we've both got room to grow here you've seen me do that yeah you've, you've, you've <laughs> I've probably been on the receiving end sat and watched me <laughs> look at a board and, and realised that the longer I sit there looking at it the less likely I and am to stab you another thing that's good for new players to realise is sometimes defending against something is actually weaker than not defending at all. Yeah. Like from an alliance partner because there's a lot of times when I like I trust somebody just because if I don't trust them then I'm screwed. Yeah. Yep. If they're going to attack me I'm screwed. Right? But if I defend against their attack and it doesn't happen this, then I've got no growth. This circles back to one of your points as well as to why a lot of people I think don't see me as a big threat once the game is four years old and that is I will get attacked someone will attack me and then I am not threatening to anyone other than the person who attacked me yeah, that makes sense, yeah. and always the aggressor looks more aggressive than the person who got attacked That's so true. I will bait people into moving you know Berlin to Silesia really? if I'm Russia. Oh, that's interesting. Because then I can just here's the smackdown coming, and the whole board is going to be there psychologically thinking, oh yeah, well Germany oh, had that Goffy. coming. Goffy's <laughs> totally legitimate. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty fair that he's on ten because he's just taken all of the German. The German stabbed him, not the other way. And and. That is a trait you will see in a lot of really good players. Oh, I'm going to use that. I feel like I've learned something. Chris Martin does it. Doug Moore does it. 
Um, I'm going to do it. Nihola Sahoge <laughs> is a, an absolute master of it. So, so this kind of gets... Okay, we're getting away from the whole new... So we are way in behind the newbie <laughs> thing. I want to ask the question of... Okay, so I, I, Mel, I know you've played obviously in the States when you were living over there. Mm-hmm. Gothi, you've played States, Europe. And you, and you both played I played Australia. in Europe once or twice. Okay, cool. Looking forward to playing in Asia later this year. Okay. Get along oh, to some of those tournaments. This year? This year. Yeah, there's and a Vietnamese we... tournament, a Chinese yeah, tournament, and a Thai tournament. Provided yeah, provide everyone can after, kind of move into countries. Yeah, I know. After July or before July? Um, most of them are after July. Okay. Let, let, let's assume the coronavirus but next, just dies next down Next year, quietly. next year, that uh, world yeah, championship, yeah, that's going to be fantastic. I think by, actually, I can give you an exclusive. Yes, great. Thank you. Go for it. We have a venue and a date. Oh! So we're going to be playing at Battlefield Bangkok, which is a board games um, venue. It can comfortably fit 15 boards. Uh, So we've got the whole place booked out for the whole period. Um, It is quite close by to Western-style hotels and also very cheap backpackers, whatever your preference is. And it will be at the end of... I think of the hotels ju- will be cheap by that stage. Um, <laughs> I would recommend, I mean, for Westerners, um, the hotels are cheap. So yeah. you can, you yeah. know, go up market, bring your family, bring your friends, make a really big adventure of it, because hotels are cheap. Yeah. Um, but if you really are skint, then once you, you, once you get there, like that. you can make everything pretty close to free. couch. And then it's Yes, probably. Um, it's going to be the end of July. So 2021. 2021. Um, oh, that's good. The coronavirus will be well and truly gone by then. No, it won't be. But I think that there'll be... COVID-20 by then, I think. <laughs> I think that there'll COVID be... COVID-2020! There'll be enough herd immunity that they'll yeah. be able to stamp out um, isolated cases. And we will obviously look at that, that if, if there is a big risk to Absolutely. it, then we'll make decisions based on good advice. But Absolutely. hopefully by then everything will be fine, and as Mel says, everything will probably be, still be pretty cheap. Um, the venue is fantastic. Um, I, I don't want to sort of speak too much for Lee, who's organised everything over in, in Thailand, yep. but... Uh, I've, I've seen the venue. It's it's absolutely first rate. Um, plenty of space for other board games as well. So, David Hood, if you're out there listening, you can come along and play Terraforming Mars. That's also perfectly reasonable. So, um, can I bring along a game like a, a board of sock with, perhaps? Yeah, you probably could. Yeah, Excellent. I suspect they would have it there, so you wouldn't even need to bring it along. Probably not because it's, it's just like this weird wacky I'm, version of. I'm super excited about it. I love Bangkok as a as a city. Does there's maybe used to be an expat over in Yeah, and as, as for affordability of food, accommodation, accessibility, the city has just got so much to offer. It's yeah. easy to get around. Because, as you're saying, the cost of the hotel rooms are just next to nothing in comparison to what you expect to pay in Australia or any other Western country. So as a Westerner, I mean, you're paying $10 a night for a really quite decent four-star bedroom quite easily. Um, 10 bucks? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Not kidding you. So you can get five or six-star sort of hotel stuff at Western prices, but the second you're happy with sort of a four-star accommodation, 
the price has just dropped through the floor. Oh, really? If you want to do backpacker stuff, I mean, that's like two, three dollars a night. Oh, if that. If that. If that. You know, like it, it's cheap. And the food in Thailand is just awesome. Food is awesome. There will be, as well, a whole range of events and themes. So those of you who know me know that I love my fine dining. There's a few absolutely outrageously good restaurants in Thailand, okay. including the best German restaurant in the world. Oh, but they kind of put Do they have sausages? They do. They have currywurst. Do they do... Uh, First rate. You know, roast pork with crackling? <laughs> no, they couldn't compete with the meal this evening. But, <laughs> um, but there'll also be a whole range of tourist things that we're... Uh, pretty much organised actually but stay tuned for the details um, it's an amazing tourist city uh, from reclining Buddhas um, all the way through to royal palaces and amazing shopping amazing nightlife as well if uh, you want to go out and drown your sorrows after uh, Doug Moore inevitably eliminates you um, note that you'll do it kindly you, it would be very enjoyable, but you'll still want a lot of heavy brown liquor afterwards. Um, and of course, still one of one of the key selling points is you won't have to play against me. So uh, everything in its favour. So, so what's your role in this? Are you, are you actually going to play as, a, as an actual quasi tournament director? I, I am the tournament director. So you're not going to be actively playing. I will not be playing. Unless something goes horribly wrong. So, Kana, you have a chance. <laughs> Not a chance in hell. You have, if you oh, show I'm, up, I'm you're there, a chance. I'm there because Bangkok is such a beautiful place and I love the game of diplomacy. I love the game in and of itself for each and every game. It's not about the meta game. It's not about the ranking. It's not about winning a tournament. It's about there for the love of the game. That's why I'm there. Oh, absolutely 100% plenty of world because it's just such a beautiful part of the world plenty of world champions have shown rocked up with that attitude and walked away with the chocolates well if I, if I win I win I'm totally over the moon about it but you know not a chance I don't think it's funny the, the history of who wins world championships is the best players and then the good average players Oh, that's that's you. You're a good average player, Kana. Oh, thanks, thanks, Andy. <laughs> thanks. It wasn't my intent, but sure, <laughs> sure. That uh, he, he, he he doesn't play well, but occasionally he does. Well, that, <laughs> but I get a good board. I can't do well. He, the the key is to have two occasional good games. One to get you onto a top board, and one on well, the top board. Well, time games. Yes. That. The number of times top boards have been decided because all of the good players take each other out and leave the nice guy. If you want a hot tip for who's going to win uh, Thailand, someone like Bill Hackenbrack, who's a lovely guy, who's a much better than average player, but he's, he's probably wouldn't consider himself on the Doug Moore or Cyril Savant level. But he is, he's got good game, he, he's fun to play with, and he gets on a top board and no one wants to kill him because they're all too busy trying to kill everyone else. Sounds <laughs> like me. Mel would be another contender for <laughs> sure. Might be a bit of a, I might, uh, might be my breakout tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your breakout tournament. It's like, it's I promise not to time draw you when you're out to get an 18 again. I'm it's sorry. Like I'm a little bit slow. It's not like the Olympics where you can only win like in your 20s. Oh, you can win at any time. I've got a general question to 
you guys who are more experienced um, around the world. I, I, I'm. So we've interviewed a number of we've we've interviewed a number of players um, <laughs> who seem to have the opinion that Australians. And I'm, I know I'm lumping you in here with Australians, Mel. As an honorary, I, as an honorary I have an Australian, Australian That Australians try to look at your orders over their shoulders. Yeah, they do. And, and I'm just wondering. <laughs> See, I've seen Americans so, do this. I'll give you a hint. So do the Americans. <laughs> well, maybe the Americans are more polite about it or they're just a bit more crafty because they don't seem to think that they do it. But they get very. They do have Upset, a they do have an honor code about it. They do. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I hope that's I, not I, me because I I don't do no, that. No, no, I'm, I'm but, talking about Australians in general. Yeah. You know, um, because there's a, there's, there's perception out there. I think there's different levels of um, acceptance of different things, right? Like, yeah. um, like maybe looking over orders or wasting people's time or you know like there's just certain i think i think yeah. and i think it doesn't it, it differs between even like areas within the country so so australia's yeah, might have no what's problem acceptable and what's not kind of looking over a person's shoulder and like oh yeah okay keep going but i mean australians there's, there's do that and they shouldn't we shouldn't but we do no no, no maybe no no we don't all right but no, no we shouldn't I, I, I'm just, we don't Okay, so, so following on from that, are there... If I have ever have, I feel really guilty about it when I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, but you get over it, don't you? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sometimes I, I'm, I might say... Can I say... I, Culturally, though, like, what <laughs> things have you observed from other cultures that you've... Like, like similar... Like, what do Americans do? They're like, oh, hang on, what, why is America... Or, uh, like I think Mel's Europeans. point is spot on here. To say... All American diplomacy players do X. Is that that's wrong? Yeah, it's a generalisation. The difference between playing in at say DixieCon versus versus Vancouver versus Chicago, it's just all. It's all about. There's there's gamesmanship in every culture, and the gamesmanship that you are familiar with by default feels more natural than what you observe in others. I mean, I've seen cultural change in Australian. We're like from playing in the late nineties to playing so. playing now, right? I hope like so. in the late nineties in a, in Australia, it was it was kind of a lot of rules lawyering, right? Like it was like if the rules didn't say that you couldn't do it, then you could do it. And so that led to tournament rules that had like you're not allowed to physically restrain somebody from putting their orders in. You know, let a lot of people I, in small rooms. I have oh, seen all. You know, I have you know, seen throw orders off, off a balcony. Off a balcony. Oh. Which admittedly is very funny. But, <laughs> but it's I was okay, I was so there for that. Were you there for that tournament? No. I was there when a, a gentleman so, called Rowan Keane walked up to his ally with thirty seconds to go, took him out on the balcony on the pretense of having a cigarette, and then threw the person's orders over the balcony so that his stab would go. No and then way. the tournament director must have let it happen. The tournament director let it happen because it was, wasn't in the rules. Now, if I was the tournament director, I'd be tempted to throw Rowan off the balcony for trying that trick. That's just out of court. So that's an interesting question around you know, the roles and responsibilities of a tournament director. And I think it gets back to um, your earlier point, Goffey, around you know whatever the tournament director says is the rule. 
Yeah, and to a certain extent. And and my take on it, as I sort of said, is my job is to make the tournament run smoothly. And that's also, Correct. And that's having also, having people throw orders off a balcony doesn't really seem cool. conducive to no, that. No, no, no. But also, I mean, there's also the one of the reasons why I say like I will not claim to make the absolutely correct decision, but you'll stand by my decision, right? Like, so if it's not in, included in the rules, I'll make a fairness decision. Right, like, and somebody could argue, well, it doesn't say in the rules that I can't do this. I'm like, I don't care, you know, like, I'm the oh. tournament director, what I say goes. And, and that's to correct, it's to stop, like, I explosive will. controversies yeah. like like that. Yeah, and I will always give newer players the benefit of the doubt when I'm interpreting orders, yeah. which I would not give to, say, Mel. Yeah, well, I actually had a player in, when I was running a tournament in Boston. That because uh, I'd also said you know like, please extend um, a bit of grace to the new players right yep. if they miss order then you know um, you know you as a table are able to allow it you know I'm going to make the rule I'm going to make a decision based on the rules but if you don't call me over you're welcome to resolve it any way you can and so the boards took me up on that and then some me intermediate experienced player misordered on purpose. But the table let him have the order that he didn't want, and he and he, came, and he and he came to me and he said, "I didn't really want this order to go through." And I was like, "Well, what do you want me to do? Are you gonna like? Are you gonna, are you gonna ask me order? to come over to dispute the order? Because you know, like, I can, and he's like, no, because I can't do that. Because then they'll yeah. know that I misordered on purpose." Yeah. I was like, "Well." So Sorry, make a worse misorder next what, time. What, yeah, <laughs> misorder worse. <laughs> like, just one, basically don't write your order. <laughs> one thing that gets discussed a lot is advice for new players, but I actually think you're only really new in tournaments for three or four games. You, you get to the next step pretty oh, yeah. quickly. Yep. Um, so your first tournament might go badly, but like Mayer is the example in Australia at the moment, whose first tournament was a bit sketchy. That's the one we went to. Whose second tournament in Canberra, she just went, oh, I can play this game. And she can. Is she coming along tomorrow? Uh, depends on whether she has uh, clearance. clearance. She, can, she can come if she's not, if she has no fever or cough. I'm happy with that. Well, I'll, I'll see what you she has to say. Um, and I but, would... but that's something that isn't discussed often is advice for people who are at that sort of next level that intermediate level stepping up yeah I think that that's uh... and I and I would just say that if you if you go to a tournament and you get six or seven centers in every game even if you're like third on the board then you're still going to come in the top ten like that's oh, an awesome yeah. result right yeah. so a lot of people think oh well I can't get 15 16 seven like I'm not going to solo that seems like such a like but if you're just consistently mediocre then you'll you'll be you'll no, actually you, get you, to the top so seven. You know, solidly <laughs> consistent. Solidly, oh, solidly. Oh, no, consistently weird. mediocre is sufficient. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, that's what you should be aiming for, Gobby. I I have so on yeah, that exact yeah. thing, like the Long Island tournaments alive. we mentioned, the Long Island tournaments we mentioned. <laughs> I was not sober. For, I like. I did I badly in the first round. I'm never sober for most of the two, two or three in the first round, and then I thought, well, you know what? I'm just going to have fun. Let's go and party with the wives and girlfriends, and I'll show up for the second round. And I was not sober, but I was having fun, and I got a seven. And then I sort of rocked up for round three with a 
pretty bad hangover for which there was only one cure. Uh, and oh, drink more. I got an, yeah, and and I got an eight. Oh, no, it's two That's seven good. eight, and I'm and sitting there. They're doing the top seven and a seventh in this sixth, fifth, fourth. Oh well, I didn't get anything. What? Why did I even come? Third place, Goffy. So two seven eight in a twenty five person tournament. Not bad. Is yeah. enough to get you third place. Yeah. Consistently now, mediocre. That's yeah. consistently mediocre. Yeah. <laughs> two seven eight. That shouldn't if win you, you can, anything. If you can stay on the board with like somewhat more than Survive. you actually started with, yep. you'll yep. do well. One of the big fallacies is that the average score in diplomacy is nine. Halfway between zero and eighteen. Okay. So many intermediate players feel like nine is the average score and if they do less than nine bad game and if you get more than nine good game now if you get more than nine you're right that's a good game see that seems odd to me it seems like just surviving in a game is a goal in and of itself yeah just being in it just but but the average is less than five well, that's just the math of the situation. Yeah. I mean, the game's a zero-sum game. But like so many so people many. get it in their heads that if that they sense, if yeah. they don't get a ten, nine or eight, that's below average. If yeah. I get an eight on a board, I'll take that. I'd rather get a sixteen. I'd rather get a twenty-seven. Yeah. But I think back to when we had like the seven. Melbourne Open last year. I can't remember. I was playing Turkey. I can't remember if I got seven or eight. And seven or eight, generally, you think that's pretty poor. Well, not Paul, but I it's pretty, think it's like pretty the game ordinary. isn't quite And it got the fucking best turkey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? I have had a best country with one centre. <laughs> my, most, my, most, my most... And that was... Like, you, you can be consistently mediocre and get top seven finishes. My most controversial tournament... Uh, my most controversial uh, event as tournament director was when we're... Um, it was in Boston... And uh, Peter McNamara, who you know very well, was um, was playing. And uh, <laughs> who I know very well. I think, well, I, I think we Australian. all know from we last time. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, He'll be here tomorrow. Because he wasn't Excellent. Yeah. Great. Yeah, and uh, so he was. Um, I was reading. I was reading out the the best country awards, right? Like, and I was tournament director. I wasn't playing in my own tournament. I wasn't competing at all. And uh, and I got to best Russia, right? And the winner of best Russia was Peter McNamara on two centres. What? And I had played a tournament director position as Russia and got 15 centres. <laughs> well, and there's was, a surprise. <laughs> and, and and Peter McNamara had um, had won the other... He'd won two... He, he played three games, right? Like, and he'd won three best countries, including the Russia one. And uh, and I was like, no, nah, fuck it. He's not getting the best Russia. <laughs> and because uh, he'd won the tournament, he got two <laughs> like three best countries. And I was like, I'm not giving you best Russia. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take best Russia. Like, and I just made that decision. And um, I don't like Peter. I don't think really cared that much. But the guy from um, Maine. This was um, this was when. Um, Husky Con, who we've already yeah, talked yeah, we about before, before yeah. um, and this guy from Maine had bid for the Dipcon, um, and, yeah, and the guy from Maine got it. Yeah. But the guy from Maine uh, said that there was like two hundred pla- or one hundred and twenty players in Maine, and maybe there was like six of his friends, right? 
And so he just completely lied. And then when everybody got there, there were like 20 people, and he took his friends and they played in a separate room and he put all the other people that had travelled to be there as part of it in another oh, room. No. And then he had competed in it and um, his friends gave him all the solos and then he won the dip con, right? And uh, and everybody was like, oh, was no. like and everybody was like, no, this is this is no 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 this is this is this is well done tournament and play in it right like you can't do it and he said of course you can Melissa Call in Boston played in her own tournament oh no and and he basically went on all of the international signs accusing me. Of being oh, like the whole no. reason why he could play in his own in his own so, tournament, and that I had nicked the best country. So, <laughs> circling, <laughs> circling back to your question about <laughs> what some countries do and other countries do. Yes, uh, the it's US knows really. how to have a feud, and yeah. I can't imagine in Australia. I mean, in the I don't know five hundred years I've been playing diplomacy in Australia. There have been people who have not liked each other, but you don't carry it onto a board and you don't carry what happens on a board off a board. And in the US, I don't think you can say that about everyone. There are people who, if you stab them on the board, they they won't have a drink with you afterwards. And and that's, to me, the idea of that. Are are Europeans different? They don't play past 1908. Is that a diplomacy question? Or? Yeah, in the context of They don't of play past 1908, so every game ends with a bullshit stab fest. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, because you have this upfront agreement. Like it. Doesn't, it does not matter how well this alliance is working. This game is going to end in a complete barking mad monkey shit throwing <laughs> stab fest and it's basically because I, I, I played once under C Diplo and uh, it was like I couldn't get anybody to work with me because nobody wanted to like work and every time I thought that somebody was working with me they'd one dot me I was like why why did you, we could be on 12 by 1908 yeah. like and no no we want to be on 6 each the, and then the, and then the key thing for me though is there's nothing necessarily wrong with any of these things. But that, that feels so unnatural to you. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, it feels pretty unnatural to me. But the way that maybe... Maybe... Cat is getting... Cat, Cat is right there thinking about killing a possum right now. He hasn't got a brush tail yet. Um, he's a chance. Um... But the idea of coming to Australia where maybe some of the order stuff is, okay, new players get the benefit of doubt more, and some people would be really confronted by that. And I, I, I don't like saying it, but yes, Australian players will read orders over people's shoulders. And to the point where one thing I do fairly consistently when I'm playing is I will tell someone, hey, you're holding your orders like this, everyone is reading them over your shoulders that's why you're getting no guesses right yep and if if i give them that warning twice and they're still doing it back to last year where the the venue we had for the melbourne open and i was uh, after the first game where obviously um jamal and tim were just like bailing me up just wasting my God, time that was your first game of tournament diplomacy and yep. you come back for a second tournament 
Yep, I'm a fucking dickhead. Oh, um, that I've learnt. So <laughs> you'll be happy to know they'll both be here tomorrow. Excellent. Excellent. Great. I hope they figure into my <laughs> grand plan. Um, <laughs> and like, I think the first game I walked away going, I, I learnt a lot from that experience. So from the the next time we were on Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, I kind of went to that that bar area, where literally I knew no one could see over my shoulders. I wrote my orders, close up the thing, so I knew I was all cool. Because they were yeah, it hap- it happens talking, in Australia. Talking, talking, talking. You know, if they had to check it out or whatever like that. So it happens in Australia, and it doesn't happen in Europe nearly as much. I saw it a little bit at the World Championships actually, but in my sight. Yeah, but it was very much more. Um, no, I'm not going to throw a specific nationality under the bus. Absolutely fine, good. I, I, I think back to when I learned, okay, so this is a different game, but when I was learning poker, it was very much you need to make sure that your hands are yeah. covered because your person next, sitting next to you will be looking over your shoulder. You know, And that was yep. very much a part of learning how to play that game. And I think I, I get that as part of the gaming culture in Australia. Yeah, if you're not covering your cards... Well, that's fair game. It's your fault for showing your cards to, and, and, to the, and to the table. I mean, totally I legitimate. Go, I wouldn't go standing yeah. behind somebody to, to actually actively seek out their Good. orders. Sorry. But if I'm sitting down beside them and they've got their orders sitting on the table while they're writing on them, then, and, you know, like, and I'm looking at the board and, and their, yeah. you know, orders are right in front let's, of me as they're writing them. Like, let's then circle this right. back to advice <laughs> for intermediate players. Yep. Good, thank you. Let's... Uh, Assume you have your orders written and you've noticed someone who is trying to look at them. You can very easily write a set of orders for someone who wants to look at your orders and have a different set of orders ready to go. Yep. And and the number of times I've done that, that's, that gets people the world Ooh, over. That's right, you find so. someone who's trying it on and then, again, as a senior player doing it, Watch for when someone is guarding their orders and then suddenly they're not guarding the orders because that means they're, they're cotton on to you. But the, tell. The, yeah. the number of times people will try it and you can notice them doing it and then you can show them a set of orders. So for intermediate players in Australia, if you see someone trying to read your orders, show them a fake, they will fall for that every single time. Guarantees you to get Let's it. Let's do the double bluff. That the other person's not doing that. Oh, yeah. they, they, they're not. <laughs> they think they've. They think they've. They think they've got away with it. They think they've seen your orders, and you will outguess. You know, I am going to throw someone under the bus now. I outguessed Craig Sedgwick once nine turns in a row, and I broke a stalemate line that needed a guess, and then a guess, and then a guess, and then another guess, and then two guesses, and and I. And he was losing his absolute mind over it. Because he was reading your orders. And it was because he was reading my orders well, and I was changing them every time. Why didn't he realise that, that you were doing that? he like... thought he was getting away with it. <laughs> and this is a guy who in real life has more integrity than yeah. just about anyone I know. He, I mean, he, he, is the, he is the person that has always run his own tournaments and played in his own tournaments. And I've never heard a peep of controversy. No, he, he, you wouldn't even. He's just an impeccable character. But you, even someone of that level of impeccable character, <laughs> if, 
they're trying to look at your orders, they and they see them, they think they've got away with it. Who was it who said? Barabon Powell. Yep. I know you can trust a diplomacy shot. player to take your bank mortgage to the bank <laughs> for you, but you'd not trust them on a board. Yeah, but they will not give you Belgium. Yeah, 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 that's, <laughs> that's right. That's I will give you Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> Again, call, calling back to how many centres is right in 1901, uh, if you want Belgium, uh, fine. <laughs> that's your problem to defend it now. If you give it... If, Fr- if France gets it, then Germany wants it. If Germany gets it, then France wants it. If England gets it, everyone else wants it. It's just a waste of time. Have you ever seen an England get three supply centres in the first year? Not in a time. Oh, I think we're going to try to that. It seems like a throwing down like the gauntlet. Okay, if like I'm France and you're England, it's on. You're right. And, and Germany's 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 I always, I always suck at playing France anyway, so sure. let's go for it. Doable, it's possible. You heard it here first. Next piece of advice for intermediate players. (laughs) Some real life advice Don't have favourites. Favourite countries. Favourite countries, Uh, favourite openings, mm. favourite alliances. Okay. As an intermediate player, it's really, really tempting that the first way you did something that worked really well in a tournament becomes your favourite. So you played Austria and you had a great Austria-Italy alliance and now that's your favourite country and that's your favourite alliance and you used this opening, so it's your favourite opening. And that is not how the game works. Can I, can I, I mean, asking, this is again, moving away from like a, um, a newbie question. And Mel is joined in as well, but I actually have a question more at um, Goffing. When you approach a, a game or a tournament the hat goes round or whatever happens to be the way of distributing who your country is you're going to be playing do you have like a bank in your mind around if I get this country with the exception of Russia for Mel I know exactly what I'm going to do um Turkey come on I will put the context here. Goffey's Gambit is a lot of fun. But <laughs> that's a great example. That a lot of people would say that's my favourite opening. Which is Turkey. Turkey, yeah. It's the only opening I've seen you do recently. Uh, it's not the only opening I do that. And he moves it, to Syria, which just freaks everybody out. <laughs> But he's done, it, he's done it for so many years well, now that so, I so think it's Smith, lost its luster. Lost its Smith, hit, hasn't Smith, it? Syria. If I did anything else now, uh, it would oh, probably no, have more impact. <laughs> yeah. My, my favourite opening is Armenia. I, I love that game because it's a hot mess. Usually Turkey gets killed, but boy, oh boy, it's a fun game. Yeah, it, It's a red-hot mess of a game. Um, but... Even there, you have to... We played a social game recently where I did move to Syria. It was wrong. And I was doing it because I was being thoughtless about it. If I'd actually looked at the players around me, I would have gone, oh, these two guys are playing their first game of diplomacy. This is the time where you should move the army up to Constantinople and go for the extra build. So everything is contextual. Yep. And... It's not so much even about the countries as the other players. And 
if you were to ask the obvious follow-up question, is there something I want from a country draw? It's a country I haven't played recently. Uh, famously, I went 50 tournament games without playing France. Wow. Oh, now, well, you all can do the math about that later, but that's so, that's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. And, um, and for the last 20 of them, all I wanted was to draw France. And every time I didn't draw it, I started out disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and it affects your play. You're sort of sitting there going, oh, I've got Russia again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, England. And, and people see that. Yeah, you're far better off just going. Okay, who are the players around me? Let's see what happens. And uh, yeah, that's actually what I'm looking for. Not, I don't really care what country I get. I'm more like, who's my neighbours? Yeah. <laughs> there are certain people in certain countries you can go. Ooh, that's scary. I would love to be surrounded by nobody I know. Oh, okay. Total, total Why is that? people. I don't know. Just like I like the. It's vibrant. It's exciting. Like I like the unknown. Yeah. No preconceived ideas about how they play. It's a great thing it's about traveling to play diplomacy too. You go to Europe and you play against a board of people who you've never heard of. You've got stuff to That's talk so about in 1901. It's like, oh, do you know this guy? What's he? Oh. Yeah, what, what does he like opening as? What does he? Yeah. What, what does she like? You can waste a lot of time when it's like kind of awkward conversation. Don't you know one can be awkward? Hey, I've got a question. What was the what was the ruling for that set of orders that were thrown off the balcony? What what actually happened there? So those orders were thrown off. Was it no orders? Okay, so bad luck. DMZ. DM. What is it called? NMR. NMR. No, no, terrible. One of the worst decisions. Who made that decision? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, it was not me. Yeah. And you won't okay. say. No, I won't say. I, I'm absolutely certain that that tournament director, um, if they were to ever direct another tournament, would not make that decision again. I think they have made peace with the fact that they were wrong on that. It was a wrong decision. But it was more a cultural thing. I wouldn't want to pin it on any one tournament director. But at that time, it at was. At that time, the, there was too yeah. many rules. Is it in the rules? Oh, no. I almost wrote tournament rules that says if you're in, I think I did actually include this in my tournament rules once. If the only reason you're doing something is because it's not against the rules, then just don't do it. Yeah. Like if that's yeah, going to be true. if that's going to be your your fallback excuse as to why you behave badly, like it's uh, nothing in just the rules says I can't do this, then uh, I'm not going to allow it. I guess <laughs> great piece of advice for intermediate players: actually learn the game don't want to win because someone else made a misorder or because someone else had a dummy spit or because you annoyed or because somebody someone. put an extra piece on the board flying Dutchman I heard this one a couple of times oh no there's been many we flying Dutchman we were all intermediate players once mm. and I was and oh did you do the flying Dutchman I've done a flying Dutchman it was extremely effective I wasn't it, thinking about you <laughs> the, the, the point is that, yeah, you get away with it. I oh, got yeah. away with it. How good am I? Everybody got away with it on my board. I hardly the, ever the, the try and count them up. Ramifications of... That's, that's just yeah. a way for me to stay a good average player yeah. for another year. Yeah. If, yeah. if you're doing that kind of thing, 
you're not getting better. So did we you actually so slip it on the board, or did you just not take it off when you had a disband? I did not take it off when I had oh, a disband. Yeah. Uh, That's a, at least a. As opposed to turning up with like all these little extra units in your pockets. Mm-hmm. It was you it was a very conscious decision <laughs> and one that I'm very much not proud of. But it's it happened. It, it happened. happened. Shit happens. Um, so if if I was. There's so much deviousness in diplomacy. I've never really understood the um, the ideology of being more devious with like fake orders for other players or flying Dutchmen or like like yeah. There's sorry, fake orders are more like yeah. Oh, like, I've seen, you, I've heard of that. Fake orders for another player. Yeah, I've heard of that. Ooh. Uh, that happened at Husky now, Con. One if, of the years I wasn't there. Yeah, I, I've seen that more. In, that? No, I've no, seen that more in the US than I have in Australia. I've yeah. heard of well, it. Well, in Australia, there were tournament rules that you had to sign your orders. Oh, cool. probably, so that they probably could, because so someone that tried could, that on because so it wasn't in the rules. Check the uh, the fact that your uh, orders were yours, right? Yep. Which is now, just but when you now like, we just use different coloured like, pieces like, of paper. Well, like, oh, okay, I, mean, I don't know about you, but like the, the few games we've had in Brisbane, literally, like um, one of the players turned up with like a blue folder, sorry, blue blue book, red book, green book, yellow book, etc., like that. So you knew who was who. So presumably, those type I of games. I think that I could just say that's not my handwriting. And a tournament director would be taking so okay, we'll show you your handwriting. You go well, okay, your handwriting matches with this one. So yeah. like this is my this one's real, this one's obviously not. not. Like I would think that I would think that in this day and age, <coughs> that a tournament director would would just common like, sense use common sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, but in the again, past, there so was like, oh no, these are the rules, and you yeah. you know, like we can't decide, and so there's no orders. Okay. But circle back to the origins. I've never seen someone who is about to win a tournament submit a fake set of orders for someone else. That's inter- That's tricks. And tricks are for kids. Yeah. That, that if you want to actually win diplomacy tournaments, get good. Don't submit fake orders. For no, it. nobody respects you for it. Yeah. That, that's a, a way to lose friends and influence. Though I do no understand way. that the person at HuskyCon that did that is actually a player that has won a World Bitcoin. Really? Well, we can talk about that offline because that's getting very close to the line of... <laughs> <laughs> Defamation. We better, so, uh, we better how, wrap about we, how about we wrap it up? Uh, <laughs> thank you, Mel. Thank you, Goffey. It's been wonderful. Um, I don't know where Kainer is. He's got a oh, cider. Yeah. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. We're wrapping it up. Bang. Cheers. Cheers. And we're back. Cheers. Cheers. What did you think of that? <laughs> um, I'm sure it's great. Yeah, I'm sure it's great too. So if you haven't, if you can't remember, just rewind to the very beginning before we actually did that interview slash discussion. Whatever it was. Whatever it was. You yep. remember that we didn't know what we were going to be inserting at this point. Uh-huh. So we really can't do our usual thing and just break it all down. But I would be interested, just for scientific data's sake, to have you record some of your discussions that you have during the, during the tournament. Ooh. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. 
just just for because of interest. It'd be interesting to see if you could do the same thing just with your little Samsung phone or whatever. Yeah. I don't think anyone would agree to it. Well, no. But it's the type of thing where the conversation is going to matter. Oh, because they may think that you're going to replay what you're recording to someone else. Yeah, exactly. You'd have to kind of make some type of, you know, I swear on, you know, whatever, that I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use it purely for entertainment purposes after the game. I'm out of beer. You want another one? Love another one. Cool. We'll be back six. Yes. Okay, we're back. Cheers, guys. It's pretty good being um, having a one-day holiday. Because, like, I was walking past the bar and there's guys there saying, you know, oh, she's got a bloody meeting at two. Uh, you know, can't have too much more. We're going to have that problem, Kana. We're diplomacy men of leisure today. Yes. Where's your top hat? Oh, actually, you've just got your little working man cap. What's it called? Working man's cap. The working man's cap, yeah. It's like um, not quite the Peaky Blinders cap, it's a bit more streamlined than that. Um, although I do have a Peaky Blinders cap at home. What's a Peaky Blinders cap? Well, that's what I think of. Is you know, you know the show Peaky Blinders? No. Oh, it's a. You should check it out. It's, um, it's a good TV show. Which channel is it on? Um, Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I'm sure listeners who are aware of Peaky Blinders know what sort of exactly what sort of hat I'm talking Peaky about. Peaky Blinders or Peaky? Peaky. Peaky Blinders. Blinders. Yeah. Set in England. Um, Liverpool, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um, just after World War One, so I got those those, those caps. Um, but that was actually somewhere I was going to go today. Liverpool? No, the Hattery. This oh. is the Hattery at um, Flinders Street Station. I'm just going to go get myself a hat. Top hat? I don't think I'm going to go all Roger Stone on this, but... Who's Roger Stone? The Trump associate. Oh. He wears the, you know, like top hats and glasses. And really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know anyone actually wore top hats nowadays. Well, it, yeah, he's, he's, he has, and like... Um, yeah, pull up some images for you. I mean, you'd... Yeah, Roger Stone. Okay. Images. Kane is flicking through his phone. There's no one so with hats so far. Him, uh, Maybe say Roger Stone hat. Top hat. Okay, Roger Stone hat. him there. Oh, okay. Nice hat. Nice hat. Um, there's another one of him. I think it's the same photo, just it hasn't been cropped. No, a different woman. But the woman wasn't in the other photo because it was cropped just around his head. Oh, you're right. Good spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a details man, Kana. 
anyway. So, um, yeah, look, I'm interested. We can always try and just ask if someone would be interested in us just recording for the sake of... Yeah. I don't know if there's any value in it, though. Yeah, it's kind of like getting a conversation out of context, really, isn't it? I think it only really worked if you had all the players mic'd up. And then somehow stitch it together. And then you stitch it together about who said what, when, to whom, when, and how they were lying, and how it all came off. And then you'd have a... And the imagery of it would be the map of the board as it changes each turn. Blow by blow. What people are saying. I don't know. Maybe we just try it once and see if it works out. I don't think it will work. No. Okay, we won't try it all. It would be interesting if it could work. What do you guys think? Should we... That's a good idea. Ask the listeners. Oh, I had another idea for the listeners. You know how last episode we talked about the shit sandwich? Yeah. Good news, room for improvement, end with good news. Yes. So I thought maybe we can put a bit of a call out to our listeners in the same way of, hey, give us a shit, shit sandwich. Give us a shit sandwich. Yeah. Give yeah. us, what do you like, some room for improvement, end with some, you know, good, good news. Complimentary, yeah. <laughs> or you can just tell us what, what we want shit about. What's the what you just say? You got <laughs> just leave it there. <laughs> just give us the shit. <laughs> or if you just want to be positive, just let us know. Yeah. You know I mean? Just give us the buns. <laughs> Could work. So, um, other stuff that's been going around in the diplomacy space. Oh, yeah, okay. You've, I know you've been dying to talk about this. Well, we'll just touch on this briefly, won't we? Because we'll have a follow-up episode. Um, well, congratulations, Ambie, on your win at the Divided States game. Thank you, New York. Kana. Um, I'm especially happy about it because this is the second to last episode I need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, for listeners who haven't listen to every 50 million fucking conversations about the Undivided States game. Two years worth. Well done. Almost two years worth. I think we worked out it was in June at start, so it's June about a year and three, three and three quarters. So this is a 50 player game where I solo um, and I must admit, and I said to this to you, um, currently I was at the airport or on the plane I basically had two things in my favour that really helped me with the solo. Probably early mid-game slash late early game, there was a particular player who was a neighbour who, for one reason or another, just started NMRing every turn. And initially I took advantage of that, I think. I can't remember if I did or not. I have to go back and have a look at my But then I noticed he was... He gave you an be, advantage anyway. He gave me an advantage because he wasn't submitting orders. Sorry, he didn't submit orders, but he wasn't civil disordering. So he kept turning up but just never submitted orders. So I ended up kind of eating bits of him, which gave me the real impetus to start growing. So my thinking is that guy's just sort of given up on the game. 
You know, he doesn't want to lose his rep, but his ranking. Yeah, but, but doesn't want to lose his ranking. So he doesn't want to be get a bad CD ranking or whatever like that. Um, and I'll have to go back and check out who that was. But the other thing that really helped me was the fact that this was a uh, a gunboat game. Yeah. And I think if there was a proper normal full press, um, I wouldn't have had that same level of success because it would have enabled some of my opponents to have the conversations to clear the air, maybe. Yeah. Where bygones be bygones. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Whereas a grudge can be kept for a lot longer in a gunboat game. Yes. Then potentially, you know, one word. So I've got I've, I've got a question for you, Andy. Yeah. What's it like to have 127 units to order? Um, strangely enough, you get used to it after a while. Right. How so? Well, for me. You know, honestly, about three quarters, maybe eighty percent of the units are ordered the same every single time. Right. Because they're around. How do you effectively um, defend your existing positions? Yep. I knew what worked. I knew what stalemate lines existed. But strangely enough, I found that a lot of the moves I had to put in weren't just holds and in fact I think sometimes holding is the wrong thing to do how so um, sometimes it's the right thing to do and sometimes it's the wrong thing to do okay because if you put in certain holds depending on your unit positioning particularly in a big map like divider states or maybe you're over renovatio or whatever like that yep. um, having holds in place come sometimes means you risk someone breaking your support through other ways and then making a breakthrough. Right. But it's actually easier, i found, to attack in inverted commas, knowing you can't get through, but more breaking other people's supports to make my gains. So can I give an example on that, right? Are you saying, like, say, um, Warsaw, Ukraine, you've got a unit as well in Galicia, yeah? Right, now, okay. Austria has a unit in Budapest and Vienna, right? Right. Are you saying it's better to order Ukraine to Galicia with support from Warsaw and use Galicia to move and maybe cut support in Vienna, knowing that it doesn't matter if Austria supports Vienna into Galicia because you're still going to be defending it with those other two units that are attacking that spot. Is that is that kind of what you're talking about? Maybe, but I think this beer is quite high in alcohol because I didn't really follow the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, okay, here's another question for you. Well, actually, this one's also for the listeners, right? At what point did you realise that when we were having these discussions on the nature of, of, of this game in particular on the podcast mm. did you go oh I really need to be really careful about how it is that I'm talking about this game in particular and to our listeners did you guys pick up on it yes good point so I had a brief conversation around this in the global thread I think I, the penny dropped for me because obviously with, with a game with 50 players 
to a certain extent you can keep some generalities around what you're doing and being an anonymous not give it away yeah but at one stage I started talking about this flanking maneuver on the seas which really really worked and I got quite excited about and talked about on the show and then I realized afterwards realistically if you kind of sat back and looked at the map you could go well the only player that did that was New York right and I thought at that point okay I need to change so I don't know if any listeners picked up but then I kind of switched I started pretending that I wasn't New York and I started talking about how I was going but I put myself in the persona of playing as Turk, oh, not Turkey, Kentucky. Right, okay, yeah. yeah. And then after a certain point of time, it got to a point that I thought, actually, no, we started having to talk, talk about all the players in general and how they were going. And then after that, I started just not talking about the game at all, as I knew we were approaching the end game. The end yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. And I had a very, and you know, because I've been bloody texting you for months around my plans and... <laughs> off tape going about this is the way I'm going to win the game and I need to kind of get this and crack through this one supply centre which worked not one supply one, one territory that worked that then cracked open like about eight or nine supply centres yeah there, there's a whole series of cascading events in the last maybe 12 turns of the game yep. that allowed you to get the win um, and essentially it was Florida who facilitated that cascade yep so um well done there for convincing him to work on with your me. side um, and I'm sure that that's probably something that, that we'll be chatting around um, when we get these guys on um, oh yeah so we plan to do that maybe next weekend on the recording brilliant yeah I'm happy to do that so next weekend we'll record and then it'll come from the you know about provided it's not Sunday hang on let's go show yeah um, I think it's Sunday I'll get back to you which day of those two days there's one day I can't one of those days I can't work um, okay alright now, the other thing you kept on off tape talking about was your um, expectation that you would end up at the top of the VDIP rankings. That didn't happen, did it? What happened? I conveniently shoved the whole burger <laughs> in my mouth. Just <laughs> to stop talking. So, so what happened was that Ambie's been on and on and on about this win, he's going to get the win, he's going for the win, he's, 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 he's totally for it, he's going to win this really big thing and it's going to get him to the top of the VDIP ranking, he's going to get number one. He wins the game and he ends up at number six. Not even in the top five. So, so a wise VDIP player once said to me, it's not all about the ranking. <laughs> so, so. Uh, I think he had something. I think he was on the on the money. Oh, look, it's, it's great because I've still got room for improvement. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just coughing. I certainly was wrong. Was it my ego? <laughs> anyway, so... So I am currently now sixth in the all-time rankings, fifth in active players. Oh, okay, right, yeah. Fifth in active. 
So who's out of that top six? Who's, who's been removed from the active then? Uh, I'm assuming Cypeg. Yeah, he hasn't been around for a while. Though. Yeah, he's yeah. been around for a while. So, um, yeah, so look, you, you kind of, you know, jokingly said, so does that mean I'm, I'm not going to be on VDIP anymore? And listeners may or may not have picked up in the last episode, we started talking around this, and I went, oh, you know, I might be hanging out at PlayDip a lot more. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. I mean, there's a couple of Discord games that you're telling me that you're going to be yeah, yeah, into yeah. as well. Yeah, so um, coming, we're coming towards probably close to the end, I'm guessing, of the 1812 game. Yep. And, um, yeah, so no pun intended, organising another um, tournament of time. But this one's covering his fictitious um, Saga of the Night. Saga of the Night? Which is that, that Viking mystery fantasy thing oh, of this, yes. this area yes, based yes, around yes, like yes, a, yes, a yes, fictitious yes. Um, continent that sits on the North Pole. Yeah, like Asgard or whatever it is. It's yeah, like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I've said, look, and I, I mean, we actually previously talked about this, but last time when this it's game still was in going, it was still in it? development yeah. and I had too much shit on. So um, yeah, I thought I'll give it a go. And then he's also got another one coming up, which is like the Order of the Dragon, which I have no idea what that's going to be like, but if it's run by him, it's usually very good. Yeah. Sounds like fun. Is that going to be done on the Discord server or forum game? I think or? it'll be a Discord thing. The, yeah. the Discord thing's really, really picking up. The other thing I reckon I should probably try to do now, it's too late now, but I probably wouldn't mind maybe next time around getting involved in the next Nexus tournament. That's a good idea. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good idea. You should. 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 And I'll, you know, I will play VDIP. Don't get me wrong about that. Need to get some more good games going. Some new variants. Yes. Um... The other thing I'll, I ask you, I mean, are you are kind of like big varianted out now that you've completed like a, and won a, a massive map? Have, um, you got, have you got room for jumping into a new one or are you going to give that a bit of a break for a while? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm still playing two variant games at the moment on VDIP. Yeah. So I'm still in the Europa Renovatio game and I'm still yeah. in the um, Cloak and Dagger series World Diplomacy 10 game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, the yeah, um, the fake news something something the mock apocalypse or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, you're still in the games, but like, yeah, if it was me and I just won such a massive game, I'd probably just sit back on my laurels for a bit and go, yeah, I'm going. Oh, to... Look, I think a bit of fair, a little bit of consolidation's fair, you yeah. know, yeah. and maybe I can use that time for other diplomacy projects. Yes. Actually, talking about Speaking other projects. Okay. Okay. I don't know if it's going to be the same thing, but um, recently on our Twitter, actually on the we, we you wouldn't know this. <laughs> yeah, I don't Twitter. <laughs> we need to get you tweeting, I reckon. But like, we currently um, follow a few different players, and the uh, Minnesota club recently put out something around um, how they had great success with meetup, and I went. And I think of, you know, you know, meetup. Meetup, oh, meet the, yeah. the the app. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, okay, to yeah. go out and you know, whatever. So they had a lot of success with that. And I said, and I actually replied back, oh, so that sounds really interesting. We might look at doing something similar. And um, I think Brian from uh, the Windy City Weasels kind of chimed in and said, we've been using it too. Fucking awesome. Okay. Yeah. So maybe because we've had a lot of 
um, of the, the Brisbane people at the moment are unavailable. They've gone away on holidays. Busy getting, getting back around. Busy getting April, coronavirus. Yeah, maybe April, we need to kind of maybe just. I don't know, maybe I need to chuck in some couple of bucks to get some meetup things happening. Well, how much is meetup? Ten bucks, five bucks a month. Oh, look, I'll give you five dollars each time we catch up. We'll work something. Yeah, okay. If, if it's going to be a useful. Yeah, because at the moment, like, I'm finding it really, really hard to get anybody. We, we just, we just, we're not. So does it just need one person to sign up for it and then other people can join and do it for free? Is that it? Like, well, like anyone can kind of come along to it. It's just that to host a meetup group, so to speak, you got to pay. For oh, you got to pay. Yeah, but you don't pay money to just be part of meetup to go along to meetups. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. It's good. That's good value. Yeah. yeah. So we'll give it a go. See what happens. Like if 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 um, you know uh, Minnesota and, and Chicago had some success with it, well. Give it a go. I mean, we tried the we tried the um, the Facebook ads, but and that worked in the sense people said, "Yeah, I'll come along," and then they fucking didn't. So maybe if we link like if you link the Facebook ads to you know like a meetup, so they sign on to the meetup and then they just do that meetup. We're paying for the. We'll work something out. Maybe that is the key. I don't know. We'll, we'll give we'll give the meetup a go and see how it works out. What other what other diplomacy projects were you talking about? Well, I was wondering if you were going to jump into back into um, variant creation. It's been a while. Yeah, actually, it must have been. It's, it's popped in my mind a couple of times around around that. Um, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, probably the first thing I would do is a bog standard, really easy one, just to kind of get myself back into it. Like what? I reckon just a classic map with standing neutral armies. I don't think there is one. Surely there is. I thought so too, but I had a look and I couldn't find any. Okay. I might have been drunk when I was looking, but I couldn't find any. Okay, oh, that's surprising. Maybe it's called something different, like... Well, that would really disadvantage some players, though, in the game. Who would it disadvantage? Well, Russia, for one. Oh, poor Russia. He starts with four. Yeah. England for two. Well, he'd still be able to force Norway anyway, but... Yeah, you can get Norway with... Oh, unless, of course, you had Russia moving Moscow to St. Petersburg, St. Petersburg hold Norway, whilst England went to Norwegian Sea in Norway. I could see much more friendly relationships between Germany and Russia in that scenario. You know, those two. I think it's more realistic because you know you didn't have a situation where you could just march on into the belt into Belgium because the fucking Belgians started fighting from day one. It took like years for the Austrians to actually take Serbia in real life. I mean, you look at if you actually bring up a map of. You know the Western Front, particularly the Western Front. It wasn't until like you know 1917, not necessarily when the Americans turned up, but around that time, that all of a sudden the lines started changing. Like the Italians okay, okay. and the Austrians fought like for about was it six or seven or eight or nine battles for this one area in the middle of the Alps, the Tyrolean Alps. 
Here's a question for you. You're going to do like standing neutral armies. Would you make it so that every country can at least get one build? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't want to fuck around the map. Yeah, but you'd have to because Italy would be fucked. Italy can't get a supply centre. Like, literally. No, well, Italy would have to change its, its strategy, wouldn't it? It would probably have to go... It would change the Italian strategy instead of always taking Tunis to going, OK, it's going to take me a while. I'm either going to have to move Naples to Tyrrhenian Sea, Tyrrhenian Sea to Gopoleon, Venice through to Piedmont and go for Marseille, oh. or Venice to... Tyrolia, Rome to Venice, and I'm going to have to go to Trieste. Or do you give Italy a fleet in Rome as well? That's a good idea, actually. Start Italy with two fleets. Every other country can kind of manage to get at least one build. Or would you have neutrals, but you choose which units to build in your supply centres? Yeah, uh, yeah, like a build start. Yeah. That might work. That might work. Yeah, if you're going to do neutrals, yeah, cool. Because you are probably right, it makes it fucking... I mean, you can't pick anything up except for a enemy supply centre. A player supply centre. Yeah, yeah, whereas other players can all pick up neutrals, bro. Yeah. England's got Norway. France um, has got Spain. France's got Spain. Or Belgium. Germany's got Poland. And, and Denmark. Denmark, depending on his alliance structure. Russia's... So he's got to guarantee Denmark because England needs his fleets to get Norway. Russia's actually quite hard. Russia couldn't force Sweden. Not 901, it'd be 902. Yeah. Um, it'd be a hard game. Could force Romania, potentially. You'd have to get Turkey to agree to you going into the Black Sea. Or, alternatively... Or, no, you can always move you know, Ukraine to Warsaw and force Romania. With Ukraine to... Sorry, Warsaw to Ukraine. Warsaw to Ukraine, Ukraine to Romania. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would work. Yeah, then, yeah. Um, Turkey, Bulgaria... Austria, Serbia. Pretty much. Yeah. It'd be a tougher game. It'd be a tough game. Yeah, it'd be a solidly tough game, eh? Like, and none of those would be sort of like, totally guaranteed. You can still think of strategies to block those rules, but. So that's one idea. Yeah. The other idea I've got is I, I keep coming back to this idea of a crisis of the third century you know Roman Empire game when you've got this whole collapse that occurs and generals are rising and taking possession of you know the various areas of Rome you've also got the tribes that are rising up and the, um, the Persians which were the what do they call the time the, Parthi- the Parthians Parthian Empire Parthaginian Parthaginian isn't that like a virus Pathogen? 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 Anyway. Pathogen. Pa- I thought it was... Anyway, that's fine. So, um... Two, only two beers. 
Is your beer strong or not? Yes. Yeah, good. <laughs> and um, so that's what I want to maybe do. I'd love to do that whole um, uh, Cold War variant one-on-one version, but a version that is more historically correct. Going back to your collapse of the Roman Empire, yep. it really just take the Europa Revatio map, expand it a little bit to the east, a little bit to the south, remove the modern borders, like the, the, the bolded borders of the map. And that would provide quite an interesting starting point. You might be able to like, juggle around some of those supply centres, but use the regions. Yeah. As a, kind of a base load like you can have your um, you can have your, your, your Saxon and your Angles your, um, yeah 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 I've, I mean I, I know what you're saying there was um, I, when we talked about this originally I actually had a I took a map of 3rd century Rome or you know Mediterranean area and actually had where all the players would be. So it wouldn't be too difficult to go back and actually retrofit that. And to make it interesting, like drop in a whole heap of one or two supply centre powers who are like your, um, you know, your, your, your barbarian tribes yep. that are either going to unite and fight off the Huns. Or they're going to start going attacking to each other. Start attacking each other or, you know, go and attack the Romans. You know, I mean, whilst Romans to, attack Romans, and yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So you'd have to start with a couple of generals in there in the Roman Empire. You know, and then you got this sort of block of the Persians off to the east, and who would be the south? Well, that'd just be another Roman. Set but of it'd be similar to that. That you, like, that you, when you say the south, like there's the Romans own Egypt. You know what I mean? So the rest of that Europa Renovatio game was just like desert. That makes perfect sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't have anything below that. You have to be careful to like, you know, juggle the Eastern Roman Empire and the Western Roman Empire, and getting that balance right would be quite interesting. You know, like having the Eastern Roman Empire quite but this strong. Was before, but no, 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 this is before the Eastern and Western things started splitting. When did that happen? That was. Uh, it was during Diocletian's reign, which was that the Diocletian basically won the crisis of the third century. It's just like this night fight that lasted almost a hundred years. Anyway, that's one. I had another idea that popped in my head the other day, but I can't remember what that was. I have looked at this idea of like a uh, a colonial America thing, which was like at the very, very beginning of the colonization of the Americas, when you had literally just small trading ports so like okay so you know that um fuck what's it called in video that that really beautiful map one um atlantic atlantic colonies yes so not that far advanced in the timeline really the beginning so where you actually had you know the the uh, the dutch were in what was we call new york was you know new amsterdam And there was like a Swedish colony in the Americas. Was it? Yeah, it was. Oh, was it that? didn't last very long. They didn't do very well for themselves. 
So um, some of those ideas, and so so that you'd actually, I mean, due to their size, I don't know whether you'd use something where the strength of um, the European powers because they've got gunpowder stronger. So you think of like in the in the VDIP code, you kind of use that um, old um, German map where you've got like, knights and normal units or whatever. Oh, the um, 1649. Yeah, that's it. So you maybe you have, you know, the Europeans have got stronger units, and they can only build stronger units, but they've got hardly any supply centres, and you've got all these Indian tribes that are far more big, sorry, the larger, but they don't have the same strength because they don't have gunpowder. Well, that's 1649. It's actually a trick in the code, right? So you got the yeah, no, armies, yeah, yeah. and then instead of fleets, they've got knights, and it just considers all the territories to be yeah. coastal. Yeah, and the knights can move too. Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I did the same thing with the hack and the code for. Um, <clears throat> I think it was in pirates. Yeah, pirates is a that's a beast there. That actually does have different power. Units. Well, it does because you've got well, your clippers and your clipper, yeah, your clippers and the frigates. And then on top of that, the hurricane is actually even more powerful. The hurricane's actually coded to be like a unit of like fifty strength. So you can't support. So you can never. So you theoretically you could support it or attack it, but you're never going to win. Yeah. Okay. Has anyone ever actually tried to attack the hurricane? I don't know. They've set up and start shooting bullets at it. But the hurricane code basically is that wherever it is now, it's going to move to an adjacent territory. So, yeah, so even if you were accidentally... You're in a smoking permitted zone. How about that? Oh, from 3.30. That right? We're Queensland time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Do you want another drink? I do. But if we do, we're going to miss shopping on that. No, we've got plenty of time. How about we have a small one? Maybe a schooner. 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 Cool. Go back a sec. Back. We're back. Cheers. I've always thought that an interesting period of history would be the collapse of the Khmer Empire. Yes. Either that or the rise of the Khmer Empire. I know you've talked about doing this 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 map and you've never done it. I've never. I haven't done it. Yeah. Just like Gopher keeps on talking about, you know, um, that period where there was the White Russians and the Red Russians and oh, the Russian yeah. Revolution. That'd be a great That'd be one. A really interesting period. I hadn't even too. thought of that. You know, just yeah. So I mean, there's a couple of ones which just haven't got any variants out there about them at all. Which but with I think the, but with the White Russians and the Red Russians, you know, joining the White Russians were all the Allies as well after the end of World War One. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, could you have a situation, depending on how you orchestrated the map, that the Reds could actually then ally go... with the Europeans? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, potentially. I mean, it's counterfactual history, isn't it? That's essentially what we're playing. Like, we're setting up a scenario in history, and is it going to repeat itself? Yep. You know. Um, so that's an interesting period of history. Um, other periods of history. That would be interesting, I think, would be the Dutch colonisation of India. 
Sorry about that. The uh, overzealous bartender waiter. waiter took away the glass that was propping up the, the recorder. Anyway, cheers for another drink. Schooner off the top. Schooner, yeah. Playing it safe. Give me all the time. Alright. Um, where was it? Yeah, no, the colonisation of Indonesia would be quite interesting. Like, you've got the, you know, the Portuguese in there in the mix. You've got the local kingdoms. And you've got the Dutch and the Spanish. All kind of... So the Spanish were up in the Philippines. So yeah, that, that archipelago region, you know, like the, yep. the East Indies, really. Yep. Um, yeah, it was only really historical happenstance that allowed for... The Indonesians won the game. No, no, sorry. no not the, the Dutch won the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So it's historical happenstance, really, that allowed Europeans to gain a foothold into the, in those regions. Yep. Um, but it could have all turned out quite differently. Historically, you know, had the uh, principalities of those regions been more stronger or more united, or well, they had guns, or even better naval tactics, right? You know, I mean, all the, like the the naval trade of the region was very heavily based around trade, right? Um, whereas spices and things, yeah, it was, it was about movement of goods, right? But the Europeans, having had previous many years of Europe naval conflict arrived with fleets that are capable of naval yeah. domination. Yeah. You know, so it was only really the fact that there wasn't conflict, like heavy conflict in that space that wasn't on the on the on the naval and the, the maritime regions that allowed for that to really occur. And the guns of course. But yeah. you know, let's let's be a little bit historical on that. Well not so much the Germans, not in not in that was more in the... Uh, that, that's the Americas. South America. Yeah. So you're going hat shopping? Anything else? Hat shopping, yeah. There's a um, there's a bookstore I want to go to. It's got recent releases that I can't get up in Brisbane. So. Ah, okay. Yeah. So those two stores... Can't get them on Amazon? Yeah. I do, but, you know... You, you think Jeff's got enough money? Did I tell you that we're no longer an Amazon affiliate? Oh, they dropped out, did it? Yeah, apparently our nine cents that we'd made wasn't enough to prove that we were worthy for Jeff. Jeff doesn't want to know. Ooh, Ooh. Jeff. Okay. <laughs> no more Amazon purchases for Kana. That's right. Um, yeah, not that I do that much anyway, to be perfectly honest. I do like to support like, the local businesses. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What are you shopping for? Chocolate? Chocolate. You've got to go to Hague's. Right? got to go to Hague's. Yeah. Apart from Hague's, I don't have much else to do. <laughs> I may kind of... Um, see, like, my, my son loves comics, so I can go to 50 million comic shops down here, but we've got decent comic shops in Brisbane. There are good comic stores in Brisbane. And then if I buy something for him, I then buy something for my daughter. And... Yeah. Yeah. Where do you stop? Then I expect to buy something for my wife. Maybe just buy something for nothing. No, nobody. Or just a family present. There's some chocolate. Go nuts. You're going to go to the one in the uh, King's Arcade? Yeah. Yeah. Apart from that, no. Yeah. 
unfortunately we got mobile phones so if we kind of you know yeah, enough shopping so we can just go yeah 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 meet you back to where we've dropped off the bags what do you say meet back at four and go from here at four hang on that's wrong that's what's the real time because Queensland and, and Victoria have different it's a local Jesus time is two four is two thirty eight. Yeah, yeah. And we have to be back there by four fifteen. Four fifteen. Yeah. Oh shit! We better start drinking, Kana. Got it. I bet this. Well, you know, let's 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 not be you know uncivilized. Let's take five minutes to finish our drinks and then we'll piss off. Drunk Queenslanders. Drunk Queenslanders. That's right. Australians. Drunk Australians, yes. Well, you're not, you're not, you're not even kind of counting yourself as a Queenslander. Now that you're down in Victoria, you're not counting yourself as a Queenslander. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sure Americans put up with this shit all the time because they move states all the time. Yeah, yeah. They, but, so, and that, they're thinking they always tend to be wherever I came from. So you'd still consider yourself a Victorian, would you? No, I, I don't really. You got mixed allegiances. I've got mixed allegiances. Yeah, yeah. I haven't had much to do with the state down here for quite a while. When did you last live here? Sorry. When did you last live down here? Two thousand. Okay, 15 years ago. 15 years? Yeah. That's quite a while ago. 2004 maybe? Okay. I should sit down and work that one out. Oh, so when funny. Jeff was, Jeff Kennett was Premier? Yeah, he was before that. He was before that? Jeez. <laughs> You're right, Jeff Kennett was Premier much earlier than that. Yeah. Late um, 90s, early 2000s. Sorry, don't, don't, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Let's move on. Kane is doing Kane and Matt. He has three fingers in the air. <laughs> um. Oh, it went down to one finger, now back to three. Four now. She go down to one just like that, with a finger, single middle finger. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, 2004, I think, was the last year I was here. Yeah. yeah. Very good. I was actually on, um, in that 1812 game, the Discord game, the uh, player who's playing America recently had to leave due to personal reasons. And a new player joined in, which was Walshy. And Walshy kind of sounds like an Australian name. He started talking to me about bloody AFL and everything. Oh, yeah. And I assumed it must have been like someone in Victoria... And I said, man, you must have got me confused. Because he knows I'm Australian. He said, I'm not from Victoria, you know what I mean? I'm from Queensland. It's all about rugby league. And he's like, oh, okay. And I said, so where are you again? Because I had played him years ago in some other, no pun intended, tournament. Yeah. Expecting him to say, Victoria, he said, I'm in Ireland. <laughs> what a great tactic, though. You know? 
He doesn't know bugger all about AFL, but you know he's using. No, but he knows a little bit about AFL because enough to talk about. Yeah, because of the whole Gaelic football. Oh yeah, yeah. When they kind of have that joint game between Ireland and the AFL, when they kind of mix the rules together. Well, they're two different games entirely. But what's he calling himself, Welshy, if he's Irish? Walshy. Oh, Walshy. Which sounds even more like an Australian thing. Yeah. Okay. I got you. Lots of Australians will add like E on the end, like and B. While she. Yeah. What if there's any like grammatical rules around how we go about shortening names in this country? Most of well, we were talking about this before, me. weren't you? About your was it your brother-in-law or someone with a yeah, name that couldn't be shortened? Yeah, my brother's name. You either add an E on the end, or if it doesn't make sense, you just chop it off. Truncate it, don't you? Yeah. You, you, what? Truncate it. Truncate it, yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so <laughs> my, my sister's in law's kid is called um, Medea. Medea? Right. Is it a boy or a girl? Girl. Maddie. Or Mayday. Madaya. Mayday. Madaya. Maddie. Maddie would be how we'd go about it in Australia. Yeah, Maddie. Very unusual name. Very unusual name. It is an incredibly unusual name. You said Gareth was one of his names. That's my brother's name. Brother's name? Yeah. And his, he, his name was shortened to Gaz. Gazza. Gazza. <laughs> Um, like my father's name is Gary. Oh yeah. And Gary's like, a name. Occasionally in of itself, you right? see Gary being referred to as Gaza. It's like my dad is definitely not a Gaza. <laughs> Gaza. Anyway. Yeah. Um, how about you? You're, no, that's a dumb sort of line of question. Now, Ambie can't know. really be. He's already been really truncated. <laughs> Like Kano well, can't be truncated. Can't, can't shorten that one. Unless but it's already like truncated, up, hasn't it? Kano. 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 Yeah. Well, we better start wrapping up, eh? Hey? Yep. Alright. Cheers. Cheers. Till next time, guys. Yep. Coming to you soon. Whatever that is. Stitcher, iTunes. All those places. Homesygames.com. <laughs> Patreon.com. Patreon.com. Don't forget, uh, patreon.com slash diplomacy games. We're now up to, we've got seven episodes up there now. Oh, and better yet, seven, I mean, that's like about, I don't know, about two hours worth of extra bonus content there. And I, listening to that, we, we, we definitely are a hell of a lot more drunker in those episodes. We are. We definitely are. The most recent one, though, we're very classy. Because okay, it's when yeah. the piano player is playing in the background. Sing us a song, Mr. Piano Man. That was really good. But um, I don't know. I reckon it'll be really good with our post-game conversations, whether we get something there for our... Uh, maybe do something for our ordinary run-of-the-mill everybody else listeners, and then we might do a special for our Patreon listeners. Maybe something with coffee, yeah. you know? Yeah, something a bit more. Step yeah. it up. Step it up. All right, guys. I'm Kana. See ya. I'm Amy.
Cheers. Next time. Bye bye.